0: Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast
1: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: good morning everyone happy friday eve it is the opening drive on 101 espn happy thursday carrie davis randy Carricker, seven o'clock your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex
3: jeweler and you wake up to a different looking nba good morning cd how you doing i am doing well i i was telling you all i didn't see any of this when i woke up i would heard it in, in the car on the way to work and it is different. There, there are some <laughs> movers and shakers in the NBA, and the Phoenix Suns are one of those movers and shakers. It was a woge
2: bomb last night, right after midnight St. Louis time. Kevin Durant traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Phoenix Suns, along with... TJ Warren for a package that includes Mikhail Bridges cam Johnson Jay Crowder who has not played for the Suns this year and four future first round draft picks obviously the new owner in Phoenix Matt Sheba wanted to go for it and he told his coach, I'm going to get you a championship quality roster. And with the addition of Kevin Durant for this year and maybe next if Durant is healthy, that is a championship quality roster. And by the way, within the space of four days, the Dallas Mavericks and the Phoenix Suns have poached mm. two of the top 50 all-time players in the NBA
3: yeah. in, in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And the Brooklyn Nets have lost yeah. two of the right, top 50 right. in all-time in NBA. Yeah. I mean... We, I guess we saw this coming. We, we were talking about this the other day. What is the worst um, group of people that come together and, and have the least amount of success? The best group of, of players to have the least amount of success. And this has to be at the top of the list. When you have Harden. James Harden, Kevin Durant, and and Kyrie Irving not getting anything. I think you said they played 16 games together mm-hmm. and none of them are in a Brooklyn Nets uniform anymore. And you got Ben Simmons there and, and a few other people. I, I mean... That is a a failure of leadership um, of, of epic proportions. This is something that will go down in history as one of the worst things to happen to a to a franchise to lose all three of those guys all three uh, two of them MVPs, the third one MVP caliber. yeah th- that is horrific if you are the Brooklyn Nets and you are basically starting from scratch trying to trying to put pieces back together. It's unbelievable how how bad things got. That that just was that, put two, years? two years ago. <laughs> two years. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awful.
2: So, And then the other big trade yesterday was a three-team deal, the Lakers trading Russell Westbrook, and they're saying, thank God, to Utah. And they get D'Angelo Russell back from Minnesota. He had originally been a second overall pick by the Lakers a few years ago. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves get Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker along with picks. The big story here for me is is that Danny Ainge continues to build the Utah Jazz in the fashion that you see the Boston Celtics right now. They have, Kerry, from now, the 2023 draft through the 2029 draft, 15 first-round draft choices. They're
3: going to be be okay. They got a a lot for Rudy Gobert. They got a lot for Donovan Mitchell. Um, And then they got a a, a player back in Russell Westbrook. I, I don't understand why... People hate Russell Westbrook so much. I'm looking at ESPN, the 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 headline, and it says Lakers get point guard Russell. Russell, <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, that's, that's the headline. It's not Russell Westbrook going to Utah. That. and who is D'Angelo Russell? He he outed
2: somebody on a video one time. It was
3: time. a oh, who was it? Was, was the it was a singer.
2: The, he, somebody was stepping out on a singer.
3: I do remember that. I don't remember Jerry who. Smith. No, 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 uh, no. No, it was a yeah. uh, shooting guard. It uh, Nick Young. Sorry. It was, yeah, it was, that's right. Yeah, Swaggy P. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with um, Iggy the, well, yeah, There you, you go. You got it. By yeah. the way, that's the headline
4: because that's the best player who got traded in the deal. No. No. Russell Westbrook's
3: one of the worst guards in the league. He is also one of the best players to play the game. If you put D'Angelo hey Russell and Russell happens. Westbrook yeah. on, a, on a screen and ask the casual person to a- answer who is who, they would say Russell and they would be talking about Westbrook and so, not D'Angelo. I mean, I, honestly, though, I was talking with Mike Claiborne yesterday
4: about this. Mike, Mike Conley Jr. is a solid player his name should be over his there his name should be yeah. the number Before one on the list. he's russell. the best player in that trade
3: yeah i mean i still they, think they 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 send russell westbrook off to utah where you and i Randy, were talking about he's had issue with fans in yeah. the past it's almost like uh, the, the 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 heck with you get out of our face and you we're gonna we're gonna oust you to a to a foreign land that you're uncomfortable in and go figure it out it, it's it's vast, it's it's extremely disrespectful to Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he causes some of it himself. There was a report that him, him and Darvin Ham had a, a, argument a tiff the night of LeBron uh, all time record scoring record. So you know that sometimes when you get into it with coaches, you're the player, he's the coach. They make those decisions, and and it doesn't always go your way.
2: And the deadline is this afternoon, and uh, there will be other chips to fall, but the big domino has fallen with Kevin Durant getting traded to the Phoenix Suns, who now have a big four of Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. It'll be interesting to see how everything goes with them. Meanwhile, baseball, Keith Law yesterday came out with his top 20 prospects for the Cardinals list. No surprise that Jordan Walker is number one. Mason Wynn is number two. He's got Tink Hentz as number three, the hard-throwing right-hander. He's only 6'1", 175, but a lot of people are thinking that the guy who throws 100 miles an hour is going to wind up as the Cardinal closer one day. Gordon Grisefo has surged to number four on the Cardinal list. Number six 66 in Keith Law's top 100. And then, this kind of surprised me, Kerry. He's still got Matthew Libertor as a hot prospect. He's got him just outside of his top 100. And as the Cardinals' number five prospect. I wonder, and Matthew Libertor is still a young man. He's only 23 years old. But I wonder when his performance at the minor and major league level tells the Cardinals, okay, we've seen enough, we know what we have, and it's not really going to be what we expected when we traded Randy Arosarena for him.
3: I mean, I, I, you would think that maybe this year, maybe maybe two years at the most, where you would you would have a, a solid idea as to what he is or who he is. I think you're still in that in that boat of trying to figure it out. And and when you're a young player, sometimes it may take you a year, two years, maybe maybe three, if you're lucky, to even get three to try to figure it out and and you know that light bulb to go off and re- realize that it's still the same game you might have just been making it a little bit more than it was. And a couple of guys that
2: we saw last year are number 6 and 7 on Keith Law's list, Yvonne Herrera and Alec Burleson. So from the outside, Kerry, the Cardinals are... They're rife with prospects. They've got a lot of guys, a lot of names that we hope will turn out to be great players. But we need to reiterate this, that whether it's Keith Law at The Athletic or whether it's uh, Kylie McDaniel at ESPN or whether it's Jonathan Mayo at MLB.com, these are not Cardinal employees that are making these lists. These are independent evaluators that think Kylie not only of the young players that the Cardinals have on hand, people like Carlson and Nolan Gorman and Lars Zutbar and some of the others, but they also think highly of what the Cardinals have on the way. So I'm encouraged by that. I don't know how the guys will work out, but it's always good to have your team talked about, in my opinion, in a positive fashion.
3: Definitely. I, I think... You know, when you have – it gives you hope or, or gets you excited about the future of the Cardinals when you hear all of these prospects. I mean, we've been hearing about Mason Wynn. Jordan Walker, I think that's a foregone conclusion. We think he's going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. But Mason Wynn is that that kind of that X-factor guy that, man, he could be really good up the middle. And you, you're playing a position that in this city – that you know what, what that the standard is for that position. You get excited when you hear talks about a shortstop that is athletic and that can throw the ball as hard as he can. There There's a, an excitement about him coming up when he does. And another point that was made to me is, you know –
2: If Mason Wynn doesn't work out as a shortstop, you put him on the mound.
3: That's what I mean. He can can throw the ball. So, you know, he's athletic and and has a heck of an arm. It's something to get excited about. In our greatest sports families of all time bracket yesterday,
2: no surprise, the Mannings advanced. They crushed the Kelseys 91% to 9%. So those four Super Bowls that Eli and Peyton share, and then a loss for Peyton as well. It is four. It is two each, yeah. Two each. Uh, So those four Super Bowls from the quarterback position. And oh, by the way, Archie was great in his time too, even though he didn't win a Super Bowl. So the Mannings uh, take care of the Kelseys, 91-9. to The Longs with maybe the upset of the tournament so far. The six-seeded Longs knocking off the number two seed, TJ, JJ, and Derek Watt. 54% to 46%. Of course, Hall of Fame dad, Howie. And then you had... Hall of Fame human being, and St. Louis Ram Chris, mm-hmm. and then Kyle, who had a nice career. Yep. Uh, if you wanted to vote, I and I I did vote for the Watts, but if you wanted to vote based on the Hall of Fame career of Holly Long, I have no problem with that.
3: Well, I, I think TJ and JJ are both going to be Hall of Famers. They just aren't there yet, but, I mean, JJ was a three-time defensive player of the year, and TJ won it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. <laughs> pretty good. They, 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 it is pretty good, but You know, this is the fans voting. It's the fans vote. Yeah, it's the fans votes. Here Uh, we go. Also, another upset. Here we go. Oh, my God. The Molina's
2: 70% to 30% over Bobby and Barry Bonds. Barry had seven MVPs.
3: I love Yadier. Like, I love him. I I, I am a a fan. I I love Yadier Molina. I don't agree. Mm -hmm. I don't agree. I don't agree that Barry Bonds and and Bobby Bonds, I mean, Barry Bonds, Mm should have lost that, that, that bracket. At least it should have been closer. A little bit. Yep.
2: (laughs) A little bit closer. You've got a first ballot Hall of Fame catcher who Mm -hmm. won a couple of World Series, won four pennants, right? And you've got two other catchers that were world champions that played at a really high level in Major League Baseball, in Benji and Jose. Yes, Barry Bonds is the greatest player of all time. And his dad was a 30-30 guy, really, really, really good player. Again... It's a, it's the fans' vote. It's your vote. 70 to 30 is what you chose for the Molinas over the Bonds. So the Molinas will play the Griffys. Griffys trounced the DiMaggio's 79% to 21%. So here's what we've got coming for you today. We've got uh, Brett Hull and Bobby Hull taking on Maurice Richard and Andre Richard. So you've got the Rocket Richard. Uh, Maurice and, and Andre. Uh, so the Hulls and the Richards. You've got... Uh, You've got Wayne and Brent Gretzky taking on uh, the, the the six brother the Sutter brothers and multiple nephews and sons. Uh, you've got Serena and Venus taking on Dale Senior and Dale Junior. Do the right thing, and then you've got uh, Muhammad Ali and Layla Ali against the Curries, which to me should be a very competitive bracket in and of, in and of itself. Dell. Seth, and of course, Steph. So you can vote today on the Twitter machine. Just go to Rock's Twitter at Rock ESPN, R O C C ESPN on the Twitter machine, Carrie Davis38. I'm at Randy Carricker. Okay, there you have it. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Don't forget to vote today because we're getting down to the wire. Coming up, what are you sick of? Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646. That's 314 399. Yo ho, it is sick of it. Next on 101 ESPN.
0: You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Good to have you with us on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carrick,er and... It's time for Sick of It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Uh, CD, I am sick of the lack of respect for the greatest show on turf, 1999 Mm. Super Bowl champion 34, St. Louis Rams. CBSSports.com has a list out of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. And they list as their number one Super Bowl the Patriots over the Seahawks, the Eh. one with the Malcolm Butler interception at
3: the Eh. end.
2: That's their number one. Number two, and I, I can give them this. Go ahead.
3: No, I'm. Did you give
2: me a number two? Yep. Number two, they've got uh, the Patriots losing when they were eighteen and zero. Eh,
3: yeah. yes. Yeah. Seventeen to fourteen it is
2: seventeen to fourteen. Was a great was the score. That it was a great game. Number three, they've got the Eagles over the Patriots, forty-one to thirty-three. Who did this? There you go. Number four, <laughs> Patriots over the Falcons.
5: Okay, uh, this is a the, the New
2: England-based uh, yeah. company. Number five. Uh, Super Bowl 8 Steelers over the Cowboys I'm sorry Super Bowl 13 Steelers over the Cowboys 35 31 that was number five number six they've got the Norwood game Super Bowl 25 Bills over the Giants 20 to 19 which by the way aesthetically was a pretty bad boring football game Hmm. Uh, number seven they've got the Niners over the Bengals the Montana Drive in 1988 and then they've got the Rams over the Titans 23 16 in Super Bowl 34 Uh, Maybe the guy was born after 1999
4: I don't know The top five sounded like every list my friends Who are in their early 30s would give Yeah,
2: So I'm I'm just kind of sick of the fact that there's such A profound, Mm. and it's Will Brinson Who is mildly respected around the country For his football acumen Less respected Mm. now But I'm I'm just sick of the lack of respect for that team And that level Of excellence
3: that that team provided And the, the quality of that game well, Randy, I'm, I'm baffled as well now because there was a Super Bowl, I think it was 43, um, mm-hmm. where the, the Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. were winning the game and then there's a guy named uh, Larry, Fitz, mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald who took a 60 or 70-yard catch right down the middle and mm-hmm. no one could catch him. He scored. And then the Steelers got the ball back with about a minute and 43, maybe a little bit less mm-hmm. than two minutes, went down, scored a touchdown that some people don't think that the young man had his toes in – but it was a beautiful, picture-perfect catch Perfect. Perfect. in the corner of the end zone, both toes down. Sure. Santonio home, Super Bowl MVP, and that—that that Super Bowl. Okay. And there was there was also in that in that game the longest interception return of all time in Super Bowl history. I, I, I yeah. don't
5: know how that
2: ma- didn't miss the list. So, number nine, Super Bowl nine, and again, there has to be a stupidest football writer <laughs> in the world. Okay, so I, I say this with all due respect. <laughs> Number 9 is the Jets over the Colts 16 to 7. That was like the first game the as a kid, first game that I ever remember and I was like what, 7? 6? And I fell asleep. <laughs> it was so bad. And then your Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 43 for 27-23 Steelers of the Cardinals is listed as number 10. I would argue that if you're going to have the five most iconic plays in the history of the Super Bowl, uh, the Harrison touchdown has it, to be one it, of them, right? It
3: Definitely is. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, you would say Mike Jones tackle. Mm-hmm. You would say that 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 play by James Harrison, the helmet catch, the helmet catch. The, there are some plays in Super Bowl history. I, I, I would even put Lynn Swann's catch because yep. they played it so Good many call. times uh, that 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 goes on the list as well. But yeah, I don't know. Hey, that's that is, that is an Phil, interesting Phil, Philly
2: special, I think probably.
3: I like that one as well. Yeah. So, that, that's anyway, an I'm
2: I'm just sick of the yeah. lack of respect for the Super Bowl champion Rams and for your Super Bowl champion Steelers.
3: That was a question that that was asked yesterday, if, if they beat the Patriots in 01, are the Rams still here? No. Nope. You still think their are even even with being two-time champs in in three years
2: once Georgia died and it opened the door for Kroenke to take over they were gone
3: got you okay uh Randy you know what I'm sick of I don't know if you know this about me I'm impatient I I am (laughs) like I I am oh my god it's it's one of the things that that I have to consciously work on just because I don't like waiting on things that I don't have any control over I'm ready for the season for for baseball season to get going I'm ready for if there are trades to get it done so we can mm-hmm. stop talking about it so these men can can go forward and live the best lives that they can live i'm impatient randy i'm I'm sick of waiting. I am sick of waiting. For baseball to get going, for the trade deadline in hockey, we finally got some moving moves in basketball. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very impatient, right? I'm, I'm, I'm hard to deal with when I get like that too. It's not, it's not good. Especially we, we aren't speeding <laughs> up the clock. It's not going any faster it's for not. you, big boy. I just gotta sit here uh, and deal with. And it. And
2: by the way, Battle Hawks, uh, impatient for the Battle Hawks Sunday, February nineteenth, one week from Sunday. They open things up is it's against Austin, right? And it's a uh, two o'clock game, St. Louis time. So, uh, go. Ka-ka. Ka-ka. There we go. Uh, Matthew, what do we got on the text line? Which, by the way, is 314-399-9646. What do you got there? Oh,
4: Sorry, I was going to do a yo-ho. Sorry, oh, you, we can do that. 314-399-yo-ho. There we go. Sorry, I wanted to move away from the mic. make sure wasn't too loud. I'm sick of bad drivers in St. Louis. Just about every day of my morning commute this week, I have seen cars backed up due to a wreck. Do better, St. Louis drivers. So yeah. I was talking to a friend in Phoenix
2: who told me that this week during Super Bowl week every single driver in the Valley of the Sun is drunk.
3: Oh my god. Every goodness. single one. That's
2: And there's yeah, it's not good. No, it's it's pretty bad. So I guess it's a pretty pl- tough place to drive. So at least we got that going for us here in St.
3: Louis is that they're just bad but they aren't drunk. Well, here's my thing about <laughs> St. Louis drivers. Yeah, when you are right? when you are in a city that has all four seasons, you would think you know how to drive in ah, all four seasons. I think so. Oh. I mean, a little oh. bit of rain oh. on the ground oh. should not freak you out in the manner in which some people get freaked out. Yeah. I, that's just my personal opinion. I, 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 but take your time. Arrive alive. You know, yeah. all those good things. GD, I, get I, to the far yeah. right lane and get out of the way. Perhaps
2: I am not thankful enough. That I take a left out of my neighborhood, drive a half mile, take a right, go a half mile, get into the garage, and I'm here. You, uh, maybe you, I take that for granted.
3: You a bit. probably do. You don't really. You, that, that I told you a couple last week, Monday, that drive in, that, that 20 minute drive that took 50 minutes, whew, it was a doozy. I got a house in my neighborhood. Got a house in my neighborhood. <laughs>
4: Interesting. Okay, this is uh, i, don't, I don't know. I'm trying to get CD to move close to me. <laughs> um,
2: we can we can carpool that mile.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this person is this person is sick of two things. I, I'm old and I'm sick of the fact that I'm now invisible. Also, I'm sick of the coast thinking St. Louis is irrelevant. Okay, <laughs> let's start with the, the old and invisible. Embrace it.
2: Find find somebody that visualizes you. So mm-hmm. Find find somebody that finds you exciting.
4: Or. If you're or old, if you're so invisible, act young. I don't know, act young. Five figure discount. Yep. Oh, rock. Oh, yeah, nah, nah, no, Secondly, we can't.
3: we can't. <laughs> think <laughs> about. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we, we,
4: we can't. That, that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: happening. <laughs> if you were invisible, <laughs> <if you're>
4: invisible <laughs> you wouldn't.
3: Oh, if I was invisible, uh, I would have I would have all thank the money you. in the world. So
2: just... I'm watching our friends uh, Maurice Drummond and Claire Kellett this morning on Channel Four before I came in. People are literally as you walk into the grocery store in the South City. I think it was a Schnook slot, They literally, with somebody in the grocery
4: store, took a catalytic converter off of a car oh, yeah, they, and they, ran they, away. Yeah, that These, was in South City. That was I believe I believe that was the one in Crestwood. You know Ouch. what?
3: Oh, s- speaking yeah. of speaking of speaking of uh, grocery stores. You know what I'm sick of, hmm. I, and I and I want you all to hear me. I am sick of you people that don't put the shopping carts in the put it back in the the, where it you. needs to go. you lazy people that take your cart all the way and just sit it in a parking. That is the laziest what you are you are that is you are a terrible person. I, yeah. I want you to know that from me to you, if you are that lazy and cannot put your cart up or will not put your cart up, you are a terrible. I'm sick of it. Don't stop it. So,
2: that is like the most simple and easiest judgment of somebody's character. No question. We have a politician that represents the state of Missouri
5: Hmm.
2: now in Washington Hmm. that doesn't put the cart back in the cart corral who beat a candidate in the state of Missouri that isn't representing the state of Missouri in Washington that not only put their cart back in the cart corral, but would go get
3: other carts
2: yeah. and put them back in the cart corral. That's good person. That's the sort of judgment that we provided for oh. America.
3: I will, I will, I will tell you about. If you will not put, I hate. <laughs> Get to the damn and put it back. You lazy yeah, right. such it's, and such. You exactly, are yeah.
2: a terrible person. Terrible person.
4: Yep. <laughs> he, yep. Lives in, he lives in Virginia, Randy. Um, well, let me just
2: say this. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Pay your fantasy football dues. That's yeah. all I got to say. Pay your, if you're in a fantasy football league, pay the commissioner. Uh, you, you, Thank you. You should. That's a public service announcement from... The opening drive and one well maybe maybe one on nope. ESPN isn't on board with that one. <laughs> nope. it's, it's a public service announcement there you go. There <laughs> from, you go. from the opening
4: drive and Randy
5: character. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
4: I'm sick of hearing about the king and his crown. Not sure he makes my starting five of all time.
3: Here's an interesting point that oh. I thought about, and and and, and it's intriguing. It, it, it was interesting to me. He may not be the top a top five Laker. And he's on the Lakers right now. Yeah, but you, that's not fair. Is that not fair? Because I'm he did not doesn't no, have enough I'm not time. Saying, I'm not saying that doesn't make him a top—I I think he's a top-five he, player. He is, but he's, but he's not I a top-five top, Your top-five
2: Lakers are Magic and Kobe, mm-hmm. right? And then you've got Kareem in the middle, and you've got Worthy. And you can plug in a, a, an array of fours. You could have Michael Thompson as your Shaq. four. You could have Powell. You can have Shaq. There's people that were there we'll, longer. The we'll, lo- Jerry West. The logo. the logo. There's plenty of people. And so this is not an affront to the quality of player that LeBron James is. He just hasn't been there long enough to be an all-time great Laker.
4: Also, again, it's a weird thing we had to do with air sometimes. But, I mean, are you really going to say that the guy who essentially put the NBA on the map as a basketball league isn't an all-time Laker in George Mikan?
2: Yeah, there's.
3: That's a great point. Yeah, top five players all time. Rock, who you got? I, I'm 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 nervous to hear this. Okay, you're trying to are, are you top are, are you throwing Lakers. numbers up? Are top we throwing numbers players. up? Or do, are we trying to put care. together a team to win? I don't care what position. It, Rock likes positionless basketball. Okay, so okay. it doesn't matter what position they play. He could be all five centers in his.
2: Okay. if he chooses, then I uh, you can have him, and then I'll take my chances with five that you give me.
6: <laughs> uh,
4: my top five all time. No, nope. yeah. okay, it's it's uh, Michael. Okay, LeBron. Okay, Kareem. Okay. Michael LeBron Kareem. I'm gonna go with magic. And then I'm closing it out with uh go ahead and give me Shaq. Okay. Or Larry. Shaq or Larry. I can't decide. Okay. I'm not a, hey, a to that. CD.
2: How about this? What do you get? As somebody who grew up in a certain era. Mm-hmm. Gimme give gimme give this one. Okay? Give me Patrick Ewing. Give me Charles Barkley, give me Larry Bird, give me Magic Johnson, and give me Michael Jordan. That's a tough That's a tough team there. And then give me Angola and see what happens.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Elbow <Hellbone laughs> to the chest. Wide open Fred Fred
2: got, I, one of my photos down in my basement, it's not a photo, it's a painting of a baby dream team, and you've uh-huh. got those five looking over a fence <laughs> oh, you know, with awesome. all the names and all the numbers. It's very cool. Thank you, Matthew. I love it so much. Thank you, Randy. That is Sick of It on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our buddy Greg Amsinger is going to join us as we get ready for the World Baseball Classic. All those games will be seen on MLB. Network. Greg is next on 101 ESPN.
0: We're back
1: to the opening drive podcast
0: on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Carrie and Randy and the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and... Our friend, the great Greg Amsinger, joins us. He, of course, product of the Lindenwood University and a native of St. Louis. Greg, I was at an event yesterday with our buddy, Coach Jed Stewart from Lindenwood. And uh, it's always good to talk to him and always good to talk Lindenwood. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, but you're know, not doing all that well. Is it's it? my now 13-year-old son,
7: London Amsinger, today is his birthday. He opens the door of his bedroom uh, this morning to find a uh, puddle of cat vomit right outside oh, no. his uh, door. The cat, which is his pet, decided that would be his gift, which is unfortunate. <laughs> what a terrible way to start your day on your birthday. Then he opens up his phone <laughs> to find out that his favorite player ever, Kevin Durant, has been traded from his favorite team. Oh. Because, you, like you just said, I am from St. Louis. We never had an NBA team. So years and years ago, we adopted the Brooklyn Nets when he was a little guy. So we go to games all the time. We go all the time to Brooklyn Nets games. And for him to wake up on his birthday and see the cat vomit and then to see Kevin Durant be traded, he's a bummed out guy right now. I mean thankfully he's devilishly handsome like his dad, but <laughs> other than that he's having a rough birthday.
2: All right, hold on here, uh, because you can either bring him over to the phone or you can play this on the app later. But one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear London. Happy
5: birthday to you.
2: There go. I gotta be honest, fellas, that was uh, a
7: number one, super sweet. But were you guys like in show choir because that was in
5: tune?
7: <laughs> <laughs> That's the song we got, big boy. That's the one. Uh, Randy, Randy, your voice has always been very impressive, but I can see you with jazz hands, like in high school.
5: No,
2: you know what? Carrie and Matthew just did. We definitely did.
3: <laughs> oh, I wish I could have seen that. You, you got to come back and join us so you can so you can partake in all the fun we have in studio. Greg. It's the best. It because, is. I mean, we. I need to be able to have an app so I can
7: watch you. It, we, we, I, I want to be able to see you it, while I harass you weekly. It's, it's
3: on the way. Show. It is on the way. So you will be able to see us. We're, we're patiently waiting uh, for the cameras to get in studio so that we can be seen on, on TV or whatever, YouTube. YouTube, however we'll be be able to be consumed every single day.
7: So you'll be you be know, able to it's check funny. us out. It, it, it's funny it, it, things change when that happens because then you <laughs> then you start to see the twitches. Like I rarely listen to a show. So for example, I, I, I take the top 100 players right now and the first show debuted last night and I just want to see how I I just want to see how it looks. I don't even listen anymore. I don't, I already know what I said. I, I just want to see how it looks. Like, do I have a weird twitch with my eye when I'm talking? <laughs> and what am I doing with my hands? It starts to get in your head, and it might change the show a
3: little bit. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, thank you for that advice. I will make sure I, I pay attention to my habits with my hands and my movements. <laughs> hey, Greg, we were talking about this, uh, and I want to know your feelings. How do you feel about players that are um, jumping right in and getting ramped up with the World Baseball Classic instead of kind of easing their way way into it with uh, spring training?
7: I think there's a bigger initiative that matters, and that is baseball being relevant. Like baseball being right out of the gate a hot topic that everyone is fired up for. Six years ago, we had record ratings on MLB Network for these World Baseball Classic games, and you're going to see terrific ratings on Fox uh, because these games are overflowing with stars. I mean, this is baseball's World Cup. It's not going to be at that insane rating level, obviously. But what you're going to witness are you know 20 different teams that are going to compete at the highest level. There's more talent this go-around than there was last time. And that's through groundswell, through what players think about it, uh, through the, just the osmosis of media coverage that has been given to this event. It's only getting bigger. So to, for, for me, I, I think it's all good. If we're fired up for Major League Baseball – earlier than normal then the World Baseball Classic has accomplished a major, important initiative for the sport. So uh, I get it; everyone's got skin in the game. If you got some of your favorite players and your favorite team that are ramping up, I mean, you know, Adam Wainwright isn't 25 anymore, and he's ramping up early going into the last year of his career. So, and not only that, but we saw Nolan Arenado have a a really poor performance six years ago in the World Baseball Classic. Um, so, you, you know, you think of that. And I understand why people have pause, but if you care about the game and growing baseball's popularity, the World Baseball Classic is extremely important.
2: Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, with us on 101 ESPN. There's a great piece up at MLB.com by David Adler. It's the nastiest pitch on every team in 2023. And, for example, for Toronto, they've got Kevin Gossman's uh, s- splitter. They've got uh, Ryan Helsley's four-seamer for the Cardinals. They've got Emmanuel Class A's cutter for Cleveland. Greg, you watch... Pretty much every pitch of every game, and especially big-time pitchers with big-time pitches. I'm going to put you on the spot here because I'm assuming that you didn't think about this or have the opportunity to read the piece. But what, oh, yeah. what's the most compelling and best pitch in Major League Baseball right now, the one pitcher that has the best pitch? It's two. It's, it's a tie.
7: It, it, it's a tie. And, and it, it's a tie between two guys that throw right-handed change-ups. Luis Castillo's changeup. Is unhittable. He can tell you when he throws it. Hmm. His fastball had the biggest whiff rate of any fastball in baseball last year. So people gravitate to his 97 mile an hour forcing fastball. But that fastball has the same arm action as his changeup. The changeup is electric. Now, from a reliever standpoint, St. Louis and Devin Williams, the closer now, oh, the yeah. Rivers, call. his right handed changeup is the most dominant that I've seen from a closer since I would probably say Fernando Rodney when he had a sub-1 ERA with the Tampa Bay Rays. Then before that, it was Trevor Hoffman. I, I look, little London Am singer is not in the car anymore, but he had a big smile on his face when you guys sang happy <laughs> birthday. I, 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 I'm telling him right now, you know, you're going to sit with Pedro Martinez and a good friend of mine, a colleague, and you're just going to learn how to throw a change-up. Like that is the pitch. When you have the same arm action. With, a, with three fingers essentially on the ball compared to having a full grip, it is an unhittable perf- uh, tunneling perfection uh, done to a man with a bat in his hand. You cannot hit it. So the two pitches that are tied, in my opinion, as the most dominant pitches in baseball right now, and there are a lot of great fastballs, there are a lot of great sliders, I totally get it, but it, the changeups of Devin Williams out of the bullpen mm-hmm and Luis Castillo as a starter for the Mariners, those are the two best pitches in baseball.
2: Great calls. Great calls. And I would argue that there's a tie for first all time. And again, we're going to the bullpen. Obviously, Rivera's cutter, right? That was one of them. But for those that don't remember Bruce Suter, that Bruce Suter splitter, it's another pitch that everybody knew. He only threw two pitches. He he had the the splitter, and then he had the 87-mile-an-hour fastball. So everybody knew what was coming, and nobody could hit it.
7: Now I totally agree with that. Right now, the best split in the game is Shohei Ohtani. Yeah, yeah. Shohei Ohtani's splitter is unbelievable because he throws it as hard as he throws it. But I love this topic of conversation because we, we've seen the game become so physical. And guys throw things harder with more spin. So we've got better quality pitches. I don't know how the pitch timers is going to affect all that. Mm. Uh, but I remember seeing Noah Syndergaard throw a 94-mile-an-hour slider. And I was like, I remember when I was growing up. <laughs> when I was growing up, yep. that's what we thought Nolan Ryan was throwing, was yeah. 94 miles an hour with his four-seam fastball. And it was only 94 because we were in already in the sixth or seventh inning. He was a little tired. Mm-hmm. But 94 is where his fastball would sit. This is a 94-mile-an-hour slide piece. We've seen Clayton Kershaw's curveball mixed in with that elevated four-seam fastball that he threw back in the day, which was just dominant for Clayton Kershaw. He's reinvented himself over the years, and now he's kind of cutter-slider happy, uh, and that gets guys out. I always watch pitchers who are great, and to me, like Hall of Fame pitchers. And for me, the, the, the Hall of Famers, the way they get by and still win when they've got 70 to 80% of their stuff, like Adam Wainwright right now, is so fun to watch. Clayton Kershaw, so fun to watch. One of the best examples of this for me Pedro Martinez with the Philadelphia Phillies. Remember that? Pedro yeah, yeah. did that. He didn't have 97 anymore. He didn't have that nasty slider. He had to change speeds with his change up. He would throw his change up at different speeds. I love the craftiness of pitching. It's so fun to dissect and talk about.
3: Greg, when you talk to hitters uh, about about the pitching that you speak of, would they rather face, uh, 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 because for me, standing in front of a 100-mile-per-hour a, a mile baseball doesn't seem appealing, but as you talk about a 94-cutter or a change-up that just gets you so off-balance a curveball, which one would a hitter prefer to face?
7: It's amazing. Great question. So with the pitch timer on the horizon, here's, here, we're getting ready for it, right? I, I, I'm talking to all of our position player analysts at MLB Network. I'm like, guys, this is good for hitters, right? is going to be down. You know, you're going to see less bullpenning. Guys are in the bullpen because they don't have the, the, the mastery of multiple pitches like starters. So they can't recoup to throw a 94-mile-an-hour slider and throw 100 miles an hour and mislocation. But it's okay. It's 100 miles an hour. It's going to be fouled off if you throw it over the middle of the plate. That's going to be 97 now, and it's going to be squared up in the big leagues. I go, this is good for the hitters, right? And they all, all of them unanimously say to me, Greg, I'd rather have time in the box to think about and get ready for what he's about to throw me. And I go, wait a minute. You'd rather see 100 miles an hour than, than 96 or 97 with a pitch timer? They're so like, absolutely. I need time, Greg. And the fact that I'm going to be sped up, that would worry me. And when I was in Charlotte calling the game with all of these rules in place last year, that was the biggest takeaway. The hitters are sped up. They're swinging earlier in counts. They'd rather have more time and face nastier stuff. It also goes back to the the sticky stuff conversation, right? I would always say to Harold and, and uh, Sean Casey, I'm like, you don't want guys using pine tar on the mound. I mean, that all that does is add to their spin rate and masters their control. And they go, no, I'd rather I'd rather know that he's got a grip. Yep. I don't want to get hit in the head. And I'm like, why? Why is that the only outcome of not having uh, sticky stuff on a baseball? You're going to get hit in the head. I don't understand that. That, that, that that's not the only outcome. You know that, right? Like, don't you want to get paid? Don't you want a three run bomb? But no, that they were always worried about being hit in the head. So hitters, they're just different animals compared to the rest of us.
2: And by the way. I think Nolan Arenado is one of those guys that's going to be affected because he loves to step out. He does. He is a thinking man's hitter, and to have to be back in the box with eight seconds on that clock, I think is going to be problem, problematic for Arenado. I did an interview with former
7: Cardinals prospect Zach Gallon mm-hmm. yesterday, and I, I I asked him. I go, look, I love watching you pitch because when you when there's no one on base, you get the ball and go. He's he's one among the faster pitchers of baseball, but when there are base runners, he's the fourth most deliberate pitcher in the sport 27 seconds in between pitches. So I bring this up to him and I'm like, is this an adjustment you're going to have to make? And he puts his head down and he smiles and he goes, "Uh, the way I look at it is this, Uh, the game of baseball is dictated by me. I'm the pitcher. I have the ball. And I had to cut him off and be like, not anymore.
5: Not anymore.
7: I mean, the game is dictated by a clock. And this is going to be a groundbreaking reality that a lot of players on both sides, hitters and pitchers, are going to have to realize. It's not the same game anymore. If you are a reliever or a closer, you might need a get me over third pitch. It might not be a plus-plus pitch, but you might need a get-me-over pitch because with the lack of velocity you are inherently going to have, when they bring you in for the third straight day in the middle of the summer, you're not going to be able to throw that 97-mile-an-hour fastball in the corner. So what are you going to do? You need to figure out something to just get me over to go oh where did that come from? He just going to a change up. Like you're going to have to do that to, in, in this modern reality. So I think the way baseball used to be is about to be completely unraveled. Based on a clock being married to the sport, and I
2: can't wait to see it. It's going to be fantastic, Greg. We're going to talk about the World Baseball Classic next week. All of the rosters are out. All twenty teams are going to be ready to go, and we're going to we're going to break it down further in weeks to come here on this show. We always appreciate your time. Are you on tonight? By the way, MLB tonight. I'm not on MLB tonight, but uh, the second installment of
7: uh, Top 100 right now, 8 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in. I'm with Chris Young, Cameron Maben, and I'm wearing a fancy three-piece suit. Oh, got
2: to check it out. We will absolutely do so. Have a great day, as always. Thanks for your time. You're the best. All right. Take care, guys. See you. That is the great Greg Amzinger on 101 (laughs) ESPN. Oh, that's okay. You can just have that guy interrupt me. That's fine. He's got a he's got a deep voice. He can, he can interrupt me if he wants. He's he's kind of loud. He's got he, he's got drums behind him. I need to get I need to get that going. Uh, take it or leave it is coming your way next. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314 399 9646 314 399 Yo ho! I'm 101 ESPN. You're back
0: to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for take it or leave it. Wanna say something? Wanna put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text
0: in test 314 399-9646. And give
1: us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. <laughs>
2: champ, Kerry Davis and Matthew Rocky. I'm Randy Carrick. It's time for Tick It or Leave it on 101 ESPN. And Kerry, yesterday the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell, held his annual State of the League press conference at the Super Bowl. Now we know factually that he has a tendency to lie at these <laughs> because we've seen it. We have absolute incontrovertible um, ev- evidence that he does. But yesterday he was asked about officiating in the National Football League and here's what Roger Goodell had to say.
8: Well, I would disagree with uh, several of the points you're making in there. So, yes, we listen to all the voices. Let's just start with that point. But we like to go to the facts, ultimately. So just to take your point, are we losing people from the field to the, uh, the booth? Um, there are some that never even officiated on the NFL field. And so we didn't lose anyone. may have lost them from our office, but we didn't lose them. From officiating on the field, others are taking on that responsibility at the end of their careers. So I do not think that's a factor at all. Zero. Uh, I think for us, when you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league.
2: Gary Davis, take it or leave it. Commissioners of leagues should be required to watch those leagues' games.
3: Yeah, what is he talking about? <laughs> it's never been better. Did you, did you miss the whole uh, uh, roughing the quarterback issue earlier in the season? There have what? Yeah, Randy. There are sometimes people. Sometimes people just say things just the mm-hmm. same. They just to, to to ease their way out of situations, or 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 maybe th- this is the scary part. Sometimes people actually believe the lies that they tell. Yes, and that is the part where you start staring at them like, oh, you you you're real. You're really crazy.
2: <laughs> this is a guy that in. October of 2014, on a phone call with Stan Kroenke, when Kroenke said, I'm going to buy land to build a stadium in Los Angeles, said, we will respect your right to privacy and we will keep this under the radar. Then when asked about it at the Super Bowl, said... Yeah, I have no idea about... Uh, Stan hasn't told us that he's building a stadium in L.A. It's a dangerous person that'll look you right in your face and lie to you. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he totally he did, and the, the evidence is incontrovertible. So, yes, uh, he, he will tell you things that aren't true. And one of those is that officiating is better than it's ever been, because
3: it's yeah. not. Yeah, no, I, I don't know when the best officiating season was, but I don't think that this was it. It <laughs> wasn't this one. <laughs> one, this
4: one. <laughs> the problem is, apparently, Roger Goodell is using the Baseline as the strike season. Yeah, yeah. I, who knows?
3: <laughs> the replacement reps. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal this one from the text in front of 314. We were talking about putting shopping carts up earlier. Take it or leave it. You and I should do a show from Schnook's parking lot and make sure. That said, people put carts where they belong. I will 100 percent take that. Texter said I should wear shoulder pads and a helmet just in case they need to be influenced just a little bit more. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, we sure. can do that. We'll do it at the Shooks at Reve.
4: or let's go to the DePere, their make, flagship store. Make sure you get insurance for us because we're gonna.
3: Hurt they, gave them. Them.
1: Yeah.
4: they gave me immediately an idea, an idea for a okay. video. We do we do a show out there. We do a video, and it's just I, yeah. I, I, random shopper, aka <laughs> me in a hoodie. Like, just like leaves it and think, all of a sudden, Carrie Davis just comes out of nowhere and just blindsides me. (laughs) Okay,
2: this is, we're gonna make this happen. This is going to happen. It's gonna be, we're doing a show from the Schnooks parking lot, and uh, it's on you. You better return that cart because we're watching. You
4: might not know why we're there. So, Terry Tate, office linebacker. No, oh, no, no. Yeah. Davis. Kerry Davis, <laughs> Kerry <laughs> Davis. <laughs> cart, cart
3: fullback. Yes. Great. Make sure you put your carts where they belong. What do we got on the text line?
4: <laughs> oh, we got plenty. Take it or leave it. The Blues are able to move one of their high contract defensemen prior to the start of next season.
2: I'm going to leave that. I don't think that Krug has done enough to be worthy of, for another team of them taking on that $6.5 million a year for another four, I believe. Mm-hmm. Colton Perico's signed through twenty thirty at six and a half a year. That's not getting moved. You don't really want to move Justin are we Falk.
3: In
4: twenty three. It's twenty three. Yeah, it's twenty three. <laughs> yeah, He's signed through thirty.
3: <laughs> I, 30. Yeah. I did remember the
5: year. 2030. <laughs> yeah. I didn't so, remember the
4: year. What's the day? Tuesday. <laughs> I yeah.
2: And then uh, year. Letty. I, I don't think. I, I don't think that they would want to move Letty or Falk. So the two guys that you'd probably want to move probably don't fit into. The thought process of building somebody else's team.
4: This is a tough one, Randy. The math. It, it, this is this can be tricky. Take oh, it or I leave know it.
2: Mathematicians. I, I, no mathematicians. No, no. This, this is the kind of math you like. Okay. I like
4: this math too. Take it or leave it. Randy will eat more wings than chips this Sunday during the Super Bowl. Totally Ooh. leave. Totally leave. There's no. just no way. Just the no volume. Way. Like, yeah. Like, how much one wing fills you up is like, like that. That's like eight or nine chips.
2: Exactly. Yeah. There's. I can go through some be, chips too. there to be more chips. Way yeah. more chips. There's got to be yeah. way
4: more chips. What kind of chips? What kind of chips are you going to be eating this Sunday?
2: Oh, they're just regular chips and salsa. I yeah. think we're going to get the Chevy's has a Super Bowl uh, big game meal <laughs> deal that uh, that we're going to get. <laughs> so, CD, what could you? Uh, because I could win a taco eating contest. The food that you could win a contest eating. We never I, did that. We never. Uh, did, we haven't done it yet.
3: We got to do that. I'm not sure. I, I, tacos probably. I probably probably could smash a bunch of wings. Like flats like mm, i could uh-huh. just run through mm-hmm. them it, it, it would it would be <laughs> it yeah. would be a lot I, but i also like i also have always wanted to go to one of those restaurants where they have like the impossible burger like the mm. huge cheeseburger that they offer and if you finish it you get something in return yeah. I, I would i a, a cheeseburger uh, would be not an issue for i me. think
2: cheeseburger cheeseburger in De Pere. by the way, our buddy Rennie Knott is like a cheeseburger I connoisseur. I see him posting
3: cheeseburgers all, all the time. So, so we need to get together with yesterday. him. Yes,
2: and we, we just need to have a contest with with Renny in terms of eating cheeseburgers. The other thing is totally random. That, like, you've heard about, like, how in uh, in, in dairies, like, if the feed area of a barn. Will break and the feed just kind of falls out Cows will never stop eating They'll just yeah. explode That's the way I am with BLTs If you can just keep putting BLTs in front of me really?
4: I'll just keep eating them until I explode Randy, quick question If I, I, I said, you know Over under one sitting How many jack-in-the-box tacos could you do?
2: Well, I'm old Jack-in-the-box
4: now. tacos are, are easy
2: Okay, so back in the day Back in the day I probably could have done 35 with relative ease. I'm probably
3: in the 15 area now. Now, Randy, oh, <laughs> what time of day are we oh my talking about? I, I was hungry. There, well, no, I mean, oh I say God. that because Jack in the Box was usually a 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Yeah, run yeah, for yeah, me. It was. Yeah, me too. And you you, you, you yep. maybe yep. have had a beverage or two. You're not driving. Someone's driving you. Yeah, and, yeah. and I— I could I could run through a few tacos. Yeah, it's not not a problem. You know what? Else? Like White Castle burgers, I don't do it much yeah. more anymore. But
4: Randy, I thought, so, I, I thought I could hang, Randy. But apparently, back I, in God, the day, God, you're again, this is so. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be the fill-in. Mike
2: Kelly was doing morning sports. Yeah, talk at, about fill-in. Okay. Uh, so uh, when Mike would go on vacation, I was the evening guy. But I would go and do the mornings, and I would always pick up donuts for the gang uh-huh. because, you know, I, I was, I, I loved them, but I never saw them, so I just wanted to take care of the people. So I would go to the the Krispy Kreme over on Bowles, right off of 44, and pick up donuts. One morning, <laughs> Ron's loves this story, I picked up Two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts at the Bowls on Forty Four. <laughs> by, by the time I got to, by the time I got to the KMOX garage at the Riverfront, I had eaten eighteen of them <laughs>
0: oh <my God. laughs> at like four in the morning. <laughs> Oh my god. Really, you, always,
4: you always talk about what your weight was uh, yeah, before was you guys was, was, was before I you guys was, was, was but I here's was the thing though. I've I, there have been times yeah. in my life where I weighed 270 280 80 pounds mm-hmm. in my life. But I wasn't doing it while putting up Hall of Fame numbers, Randy. Oh
2: man, yeah. So it was eighteen. I, I was I was over here. Donors. I was
4: over here getting. I was over here putting up. You know, solid career numbers. I mean, I was putting up. You know, you Jimenez. I'd have a nice big, yep. you know, nineteen-win big poppin' year. But I wasn't putting up Barry Bonds numbers hey, on my way there, Matthew.
2: I was the cow where the feeder broke. You that's are. what I was, and
4: that's why I,
5: I God, get there. And I, I have
2: to throw away a whole box because so it's no one season it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in the garage trying to stuff a Krispy Kreme box into the trash can. This, uh. this is
4: like discover oh, This is like man. growing up watching the NHL in 2005 and discovering there used to be a time when people scored 200 points yeah, in a right. season. People this is what I'm. Know. This is. I'm watching Randy like he's this old great who I had no idea was yeah. the most dominant player. in the, all right, wilt the stilt, Lord Almighty. Uh, yeah, we uh, uh, there's
2: a reason that they call us the greatest
5: generation. Oh. 100%. <laughs> they call you the greatest generation? <laughs> they <to> do now? Wait <laughs> <One> a <laughs> second. You just co-opted that.
2: <laughs> thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We appreciate it. Coming up, the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts don't have head coaches yet. Any surprises there? That's next on 101 ESPN.
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers
0: a fresh perspective on the day's top stories it's the opening drives fresh take
1: brought to you by schnooks rewards reward yourself earn 2 percent back on every purchase with the schnooks rewards app
2: My great friend Scott Adamack from Cardinal Glenn and Children's Hospital. He used to be with us here at uh, 101 ESPN. Texted me, ah, the days of ripping chicken. We, <laughs> Scotty used to go over to the downtown Hardee's, which was there, and we—we uh, we, it was when Hardee's made chicken, and we'd get these giant 21 piece boxes of chicken and me and Scott and one other guy would eat like seven pieces each. It was we, we were prodigious <laughs> eaters. Uh, it's 8.09. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. John Kelly coming up in a few minutes to talk some blues who get back in action on Saturday night against Arizona. But Kerry, I find it notable that the two teams that don't have head coaches that fired them, of the five that fired coaches either during or after the season, are the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts, it seems for all the world, like... Jimmy Ursay wants to hire Jeff Saturday as his coach, and it's, it's almost like they're just taking time so he can say, yeah, I did a thorough investigation and found the best guy, and it's Jeff Saturday. And it just appears, and I really like Michael Bidwell. He's great. He's still great for St. Louis. I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. But they just don't seem like they have an idea as to what to do to build a winning franchise.
3: Well, neither team seems like they have an idea. I mean, you got eight wins between the two of them. They were second in, in the AFC and the NFC, respectively. And and when you look at what what's going on in Arizona, you have a quarterback who, as I said before, there was a contract and then the stipulated, stipulations said he had to watch a certain amount of film and not play video games. And then he was. Then he asked them to take it out, but it was there for everyone to see. That's number one. Number two, that same quarterback is going to miss a major part of the season going into next year with the torn ACL. And you have a a a an organization that has fired coaches. This coach, and Cliff Kingsbury, just signed an extension. He gets fired the year after. Steve Wilkes, the head coach before him, was fired after one season when you all drafted the wrong quarterback and got rid of him as well. If you are the the if you are a coach and you are looking at the Arizona Cardinals, that doesn't feel like uh, a, a place that. And we talked to Mike Morris he said I wouldn't take it mm-hmm. because if you're a coach that has been established and has been doing it for a while it may not feel comfortable like a comfortable place where you can succeed right away
2: and I think Indianapolis is we're going to talk to Rick Venturi coming up in about a half hour the the coach who is the analyst for the Colts they're going to be able to, to draft CJ Stroud they have a really good couple of offensive linemen in Kelly and yep. Nelson right they've got some defensive players if they can get um, Leonard back Shaq Leonard uh, if uh, It used to be Darius, Darius Larry but he Larry, changed yeah. to, to Shaq. But they've, they've got some core players to build around and the pick to get a draft choice. And it seems to me, if you get a competent head coach in there, and that Jimmy Ursay has succeeded in the past with multiple different head coaches, seems like if you get the right guy in there that you have a chance to win. I'm just not so sure that Jeff Saturday is the right guy.
3: Well, I, as far as Shaq Leonard, Darius Leonard, I, mm-hmm. he, it, it worries me. You have back surgery. You have multiple back issues. Yeah. That that's something that that, that is going to uh, linger if you're able to play again. The issue that they have, obviously, is the quarterback issue. Since, um, Luck, Luck, Luck Andrew Luck Andrew Luck retired. Luck retired, they have been year after year trying to find a quarterback to piece this thing together, and we thought that they were a quarterback away this season. They got rid of Carson Wentz, and they decided to go with Matt Ryan, and that failed. It was a, a a terrible experiment, so they have to figure out the quarterback situation, and they're going to figure that out in the draft, but which quarterback, which head coach slash offensive coordinator do you bring in to make sure that this young man that you draft high in the first round is going to be set and solidified in this organization and have the right pieces around him to be successful. Jonathan Taylor coming back healthy will be a, a, a help for any quarterback, especially a younger one, to have that running game. But it's about the OC and the coaches that are going to manage and lead this young man because if you're in the wrong position, if you're in the wrong setting with the wrong staff, you could be looking at a situation where – now, I mean, Baker Mayfield is not as bad as people would like to think he is. But when you have four head coaches in five years and multiple different OCs, you're not going to be as good as you could possibly be. So hopefully they get the coaching situation taken care of and a guy that can lead this team offensively to be the best that they can be. Here's what I think would be the best scenario in both spots.
2: And I don't think that Mike Kafka is – even on the radar in Indianapolis. he is He's one of the two finalists for Arizona. Kafka worked with the Chiefs. Eric Biannimi has to leave Kansas City. If you could get Eric Biannimi, who has a tendency to be a Richard, right? Yeah. With, with
3: players. But maybe that's what Kyler Murray needs. Right? It might be. Those two might clash. And, Which would be a good thing. But, but it will be an adult that is telling him, this is the way you're going to do it. I don't care about your feelings and I don't care how much money you have. So mm-hmm. this is what we need to do to win games. My question is if it's not Eric Bienni, then who is it? Because all of the other coaches are pretty much done. That's a problem. We, <laughs> we, when you're in an organization that bad, you, you don't think of that stuff. You got two organizations that, that and there's only one. Eric Bieniemy is the only one that I would believe from the coaches that are left that are still being looked at as as potential head coaches. So I don't know what the wait is, what what we're waiting on to find this head coach and to find out who's going to be leading these teams. We'll find out next Tuesday by next Tuesday, either uh, one of those days. But the
2: the thing is. The head. I don't believe the head coach of the Cardinals or the Colts is coming from one of the staffs that's currently playing. So I'm with you. Why the, this guy wasn't named last week, I have no idea. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues with John Kelly, the TV voice of the blues. He's next on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to
0: the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Davis, Randy Carricker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The Blues are back in action on Saturday night. They'll take on the Arizona Coyotes and you'll hear that action here on 101 ESPN with the pregame at 6. The game will also be seen on Valley Sports Midwest and John Kelly will have the call along with Darren Pang and J.K. is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing?
8: I'm doing well, Randy. How are you guys?
2: Everything's good. A few years ago with the the new CBA, players, every team got this week off. And now with the Blues, you had the All-Star break and the week off. Do you get anxious? You're supposed to be broadcasting hockey during February. Do you get anxious to get going again?
8: You know, I love it. I think it's great for, for everybody. You know, the players and the coaches and, and you know, the broadcasters and the media – I enjoy a winter break, and it's a long season, Randy, as we know, 82 games. So I think it's good, particularly for the players. Um, I think the Blues were really worn down going into the break. Obviously, they had some injuries, and hopefully they get some guys back Saturday. Um, of course, they've lost their last five games, and I think they were really sort of you know running on fumes in the last couple of weeks there. So hopefully this break will give them a chance to – to refresh and and get back at it. But I I think overall for the players in particular, I think this break is good.
3: Hey, John, if the Blues are sellers at the trade deadline like everyone expects them to be, uh, how important is it to get those deals done sooner rather than later?
8: Well, Kerry, I don't know. You know, reading stuff on the Internet, um, you know, a lot of teams still feel that they're in the race. So it, it really depends on how many buyers there are and how many sellers there are, that could really dictate the type of market we see. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, for instance, if, if Doug Armstrong was to make a call today and, and say, I'm going to trade Ivan Barbership by the weekend, well, he might get a better return in three weeks than he would today. So, you know, that's part of, of being a general manager, knowing what the market right now would, would bear you. And So I don't know if that's really the truth. Um, Oftentimes, a lot of these deals do come down to the last couple of days before the deadline. So um, I think right now, if you look at a lot of teams, they're still either, you know, obviously in the playoffs or on the bubble. So I'm not really sure. Um, how strong the market is right now.
3: The reason I ask that is because if they're not traded sooner and it takes longer, like you said, maybe three weeks, how does that impact the teams, uh, how their their plate is for the next couple of weeks while those guys are, are basically waiting to, to be gone?
8: Well, you know, you can't assume anything, right, Kerry? I mean, you know, even though the, the Blues do have five unrestricted free agents, there's no guarantee that any of the players get moved. Now, I think some will unless the Blues go on a just a ridiculous run of, you know, winning eight or nine in a row. So, you know, you just have to go day by day. I mean, I think as an athlete, I think you have to just put up with, with that type of sort of noise. Um, it happens all the time in pro sports, as we know, where there are trade rumors, especially around the trade deadline. So that's part of being a professional is to sort of put it behind you and, and not really let it affect your game day preparation and obviously your game day
2: John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN and JK over the years before the Blues won a Stanley Cup pretty much every year when they were in contention they'd try to get a guy that had won before that had experience traversing the playoffs and hopefully had his name on the Stanley Cup I would still think that that especially with the personalities of the Blues guys if they're going to move players do you think it still holds value to have a winning history like the Blues guys do?
8: I, I really do, Randy, and you know, not many teams have won Stanley Cups without any players having previously won a Stanley Cup. Um, you know, the Blues had SunQuest on their team; he had won a Cup in Pittsburgh, but let's be honest, he was only a bit player on that team. So, I think players, especially players like Ryan O'Reilly and Barbashev, who who played big roles in the Stanley Cup victory in 2019. I think that experience and that championship pedigree certainly goes a long way. So, yeah, that's why I think you see a lot of former Cup winners get moved every deadline because I think teams covet how valuable they are.
3: Hey, John, did you get to uh, watch much of the All-Star break? And and what did you think of the All-Star weekend?
8: You know, honestly, I saw part of uh, of the game itself. I didn't see the skills competition. And you know, I'm not a big fan, I'll just be honest, of of any all star game. And in particular hockey, I'm not sure why this really is true, Randy and Kerry, is that you know the intensity of the game and the speed of the game is not what it was, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. And I know the players can't hit and you know, you don't want to have injury, but boy, they're just they're just skating half you know, halfway basically right now. I I don't find a lot of, quite honestly, entertainment value in the game itself. It really is just a party for the players and the sponsors and things like that and to showcase how great our game is. But the game itself, obviously... It's not even close to what an NHL game is, so um, again, I just don't find it that entertaining. The Arizona Coyotes are in town. We're going to
2: be introduced to the Arizona Coyotes multiple times over the next couple of weeks. It's not going to be like the seven-game series against them during the COVID year, but we'll get to see a lot of Arizona over the next couple of weeks, including starting on Saturday, won't we?
8: Yeah, exactly. And, and the Blues obviously did not play their best game in Arizona a few weeks ago when they lost 5 nothing. so... Uh, This is a chance, obviously, to get some revenge against that team. Um, Obviously, they're a team that's on the outside looking in, and they have nothing to to lose right now, so they're playing a freewheeling game. So, obviously, the Blues, you know, they're nine points out of a playoff spot right now. They've got to come out of this break and forget what happened in the past and, as I said, go on a heater and win, hopefully, you know, eight of nine games or something like that to get back in the race. Um, but just lay it on the line every night. I think that's the thing that they need to do here because they really weren't doing that, Randy and, and Kerry, going into the break when they lost five in a row. Uh, their play was very sporadic. Now they have to you know, lay it on the line, as I said, every night and, and hopefully get on a great run.
2: John Kelly, always good to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Have a great day, and we'll be tuned in on Saturday night. Okay, thank you, Randy. See you later. That's the great Blues play-by-play man on Ballet Sports Midwest. John Kelly, and Kerry... I, I'm really interested to see, like John said, how this team comes out of the break if there is a higher level of intensity. And I, I wonder what the—I know Ryan what Ryan O'Reilly is going to be. He, he His demeanor doesn't change. He's competitive. He's extraordinarily competitive. But I'm interested to see what Tarasenko is— Barbashev has never been through this before. Mm-hmm. It can affect
3: your on-ice performance when your name is being tossed around like those guys' names are. It's it's your life. I mean, this is this is their job, and, and everyone, you know, you, you, we look at it as sport, and, and we're fans, and we just are there for entertainment. But this is how these men make a living. And if you are uncertain of where you're going to be living in two weeks— that can that can really do a number on your psyche and how you go about your day to day work because it's 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 your life. It's realizing my family is here. I have you know kids in school. I have my wife is here. All of the things that take place, and then you are uncertain of where you're going to be. It's hard to to try to manage all of that and still play at the highest level that you're you're expected to play at. And what a
2: fine line the blues and Doug Armstrong are having to walk now because we all wanted them. Let's be honest. We all wanted the Blues to be a cap team and to sign all their guys. But Tarasenko has a no-trade clause. Shen has a no-trade clause. Saad has a no-trade clause. Falk, Krug, Pareko, Letty, all no-trade clauses. Bennington, a no-trade clause. Um, uh, limited no-trade clause for Butchnevich and Scandella. You have given the players an awful lot of power. Now, like I said, I'm not blaming the Blues for this because they thought that this group was going to stay together. I think there is another side to giving no movement and no trade clauses that you can see that work out bad for the team when you give them.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, and that's why players want that power. It's not – when you get a a player option or a no-trade clause, that is solely for you, the player. That means you have played well enough, you have performed well enough to get that in your contract. And so, yeah, it, it doesn't always go well for the ownership, but that's part of you know what you work towards to be able to earn that.
2: And the Blackhawks have both Taves and Kane. And if those guys don't want to leave Chicago – they don't have to leave Chicago, yep. and the Blackhawks could have those guys walk out the door as free agents, like Tarasenko can, mm-hmm. and get nothing in return for them. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, it's The Fight on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to The Fight in the Red court.
3: Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kieran Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing today? Well, how are you guys? You ready? To, you ready to take on Mega Mind? I'm ready. All right. Any any subjects in particular that are your uh, in your wheelhouse? Uh, I would I would have to say baseball. Uh, you might be. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. we'll see how it goes. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. Since Tony Gwynn notched, notched his eighth batting title in 1997, who is the only player in the last 25 years of Major League Baseball to win four or more batting titles? Is it Joe Maurer, Ichiro Suzuki, or Miguel Cabrera? Uh,
4: I'd have to say Ichiro. Who is the only active player in the NBA with multiple scoring titles who wasn't drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder? Is that LeBron James, Joel Embiid, or Stephen Curry? Good
0: question. Thank you. um, I'm going to have to go.
2: I mean, I got to go. I got to go Steph.
3: All right, Tyler. On this day in 1986, the NBA held its first-ever three-point contest during All-Star Weekend. Who won the inaugural contest? Is it Larry Bird? Norm Nixon? Larry? Yeah. Okay.
4: All right, and happy birthday to Missouri native, two-times World Series champ, and potential sports family tournament snub, Cleet Boyer. Despite winning two titles with the Yankees, which team did Boyer have his best offensive year and eventually finish his career with? Was it the Kansas City Athletics, the St. Louis Cardinals, or the Atlanta Braves? Um, I'm going to go with the Braves. All right, we will double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker.
3: How you feeling, hey, Tyler?
9: Uh, I felt better.
3: I, <laughs> I don't think I did too bad. You don't think you did too bad? I, you might be okay. We, Randy is, uh, uh we we kind of have an understanding here of what the contestant needs to have a shot. And I will tell you, Tyler, you might have a shot. Let's we'll see how it goes. Perfect. Randy, <laughs> say hello to Tyler. Tyler, good morning. How you doing? Doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great.
2: Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. No problem. Good to have you with us.
3: You ready? I'm ready, sir. All right, here we go. Kay. Since Tony Gwynn notched his eighth batting title in 1997, mm-hmm. who is the only player in the last 25 years of Major League Baseball to win four or more batting titles?
2: Last 25 years, four or more. So this is since. Uh, let me do some math here. 19, what? 98, 08, 18, 23. Um, so since basically 97, uh, four or more. Um, you know what?
3: I think I'll do the old lifeline here, man. Uh, CD? Is it Joe Maurer, Ichiro Suzuki, or Miguel Cabrera?
5: Hmm.
2: I know that uh, Ichiro had the volume of hits. Uh, Cabrera's a really good hitter. He won a triple crown,
4: but not very fast. You know, I think I'm going to go
2: with Joe Maurer here.
4: i with Maurer. All right, Randy, who is the only active player in the NBA with multiple scoring titles who wasn't drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder?
2: That is like as random as random can be. Okay, only player currently in the NBA with multiple scoring titles that wasn't drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. It seems like LeBron would be the logical choice here. Harden has won multiples. Westbrook. Steph? I don't think Steph was drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. No, he was drafted by the Warriors, number five. LeBron? I can't imagine that both Steph and LeBron have both won two. That's crazy to think that that would be the case. Um, hmm. I will uh,
3: I'll go with uh, Steph Curry. Rand?
4: Oh. Wait, no, that's yours, sorry. <laughs> On this
3: day in 1986, the NBA held its first ever three point contest during All Star Weekend. Who won the inaugural contest? Who among y'all is getting the second place check? <laughs> among, <laughs> y- among
4: y'all's are good at it, Randy. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I'll, I'll say that was Larry Bird.
4: And, Randy, happy birthday to Missouri native, two times World Series champ, and potential sports family tournament snub, Cleat Boyer. Despite winning two titles with the Yankees, which team did Boyer have his best offensive year and eventually finish his career with?
2: Cleet Boyer.
4: I knew he played for the
2: Yankees. I didn't even realize he moved on somewhere else. I'll just uh, I'll throw the Pirates in there.
4: Let's go with the Pirates. I don't know. All right. The month of February rolls on. Does Randy Carricker continue on his winning streak? or does Tyler who I will say talked a little smack in the text lines before or in some previous <laughs> fights now that we have the text history <laughs> was he able to back up the smack or does Randy move on
0: ring that bell the winner and new champion of the fight average Joe listener
1: the fight is driven by mobile on the run join the on the run stl wash club for a limited time offer of five dollars a month download the app today
4: that music means tyler you are a winner in the fight taking down randy Carricker. three to two like carrie said you need at least three to have a chance here in the fight and that was your magic number today congratulations tyler Thank you. I so appreciate it. T- so,
2: Tyler, I didn't get to see any of the smack talk. So, does that mean you're going without <laughs> any well, options tomorrow?
9: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, we, I, I, lost to you in a
2: in a playoff uh, a few months ago. Whitey Har- Herzog's career win. Okay, He said, I'm a future
4: Hall of Gamer Hall of Gamer Gamer in in the text line So Tyler, you'll be back tomorrow and let's go through the answers from these questions. Since Tony Gwynn notched his 8th batting title in 1997, who was the only player in the last 25 years of Major League Baseball to win 4 or more? It is Miguel Cabrera He won 11, 12, 13 and then in 2015 for his 4th The only active player in the NBA with multiple scoring titles who wasn't drafted by the Oklahoma City Thunder. The leading scorer in NBA history by point total has one scoring title in his career. LeBron James early in his career, Stephen Curry won in 16 and 21 for his scoring title. Steph Curry, the answer there. On this day in 1986, the NBA held the first ever three point contest during All Star Weekend. And of course, Larry Bird walked in and asked who's going to finish second place. And he was correct. He finished in first place. And Cleet Boyer won two World Series with the New York Yankees. Started with the Athletics on a little deal with the Yankees, I found out about. But he finished his career with a hot hitting couple years with the Atlanta Braves in that great lineup. And that means that Tyler, again, gets 3-2 to in a big win there. Tyler, thank you so much for joining the fights. In the show today, we will talk to you on Friday. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right, Tyler,
2: me. thank you. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Tyler's outstanding. I love
3: Angry Randy. There's nobody better than Angry Randy, yeah. so you're not going to use the... <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're that confident, right? <laughs> Anthony Smith. You don't need the answers, right? Anthony Smith. <laughs>
2: If you're that confident,
3: angry Randy. <laughs> Tyler's going to be best. Tyler's going to be out of the frame and then <laughs> Tyler's going to be out of the frame <laughs> in the next fight.
4: Uh, uh. <laughs>
3: Oh, uh, man.
2: coming up next a guy who prepared for both the Chiefs and the Eagles this year and I'm telling you he prepares it's Rick Venturi the analyst for the Colts he is of course our guy a former 101 ESPN co-host on the on the mid-morning show and a, a guy that we dearly love the coach is next on 101 ESPN you're
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers
0: what I do have are a very particular
2: set
6: of skills. Great leaders, they stimulate belief without evidence.
0: Skills I've acquired over a very long career. There ain't gonna be no four pillars. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Hi.
5: So
2: back in the day, about the last uh, eight or nine years the Rams were here, the people with seniority got to choose what show they did on a Rams game day. And so rick venturi and i we we took the pregame show because we thought that could be happy we could try to we we, we could try to put some lipstick on that pig during the pregame show uh. and then carrie got stuck with the postgame show and that that had a tendency yeah, to be rough miserable nights.
3: <laughs> we, rough
2: nights. we go now to the brown and crouppen celebrity line and uh, one of my all-time favorite co-workers and all-time favorite people the coach rick venturi joins us on One One espn coach
6: good morning how you doing I'm doing good, Randy. Uh, you're exactly right. You, we did that pregame, and you're, you're exactly right. We needed a little of that that, that little uh, lead-in that you had, a little belief without evidence. Uh, and, and, and we need that in Indianapolis right now as well. But you were my mentor. You got me started in this business, and I guess somehow I'm surviving. <laughs> uh,
2: hey, you know what? Uh, as you know, because I text you pretty much every week, I love listening to you doing the analysis on the Colts games. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on today – because I know how hard you prepare. You prepare for a game that you're broadcasting like you did when you were a coach, right?
6: Absolutely. Um, you know, it's the only, it's the only way I can do it. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't I don't think that I'm a, uh, you know, a comedy guy or, you know, a fluff guy. I mean, I'm a football guy and, you know, my hook is to treat the public as if they were my players in a meeting room and so you know I and I guess you wouldn't have to do it that way it's the only way I know and I you know I don't go into a game without you know probably you know probably around 30 hours of tape a week you know just to get ready for a game and as you know and I still do to this day in my podcast you know I create a blueprint just as if I were coaching both sides of the ball you know on on how to win it or you know how to how to do that and Obviously, they haven't been very good in Indy lately. But, <laughs> but as you as you
3: always say, they lose. That's exactly right. When they win, it's us. When they, when they lose, it's them. <laughs> it makes life a lot easier being on this side of it. I'm sure, uh, Coach. Sure. You always say one of your favorite sayings, or one of the best sayings that I ever took away from you was, "You're either coaching it or you're allowing it." And and yep. right now, yep. no one's coaching anything in Indianapolis. Where are they going in their in terms of their head coaching search who are they looking at and, and are they waiting for the Super Bowl to end or or what, exactly where are they at right now
6: well uh, you know you you make a really good point uh, I mean we are and and it's hard for me to say that considering I was on your show in August and felt like we were really very much in it but we are now at a real crossroads in this franchise history I mean and you know but we do have a couple things going after that last five game disaster um, you know number one We will hire a new coach. I think that'll be early next week. I think you know there's an unwritten moratorium here in this last week uh, with the Super Bowl. They they've they've done everything. They've they've had an extensive search to put it mildly. Um, I think the key names, and I might be wrong. I think Steichen, the offensive coordinator from uh, Philadelphia. I think Callahan, the offensive coordinator from Cincinnati. Um, I think uh, an outlier because I want them to go offense desperately carry. Um, and I, and, I, and my third guy would be Kafka simply because I think with the glut today I mean the, the 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 basically the supply cannot reach the demand there's just too much turnover in the NFL and you just can't find proven coaches there's no dip for meal out there okay so you're you're taking chances on guy and you hope you hit on a guy like Zach. You know, like Zach the kid at uh, Cincinnati. Now, um, you know we're going to have a lottery pick at quarterback, and hopefully we move to one. And if it were my choice, I'd take bright, you know, Bryce Young. But that's, you know, that's that's up for dispute. There's good people up there, but you're going to have a new coach and a new quarterback. And you know, the Colts' great eras were when they had one in Manning and they had one in Luck. So hopefully they, you know, lightning will strike three times. <laughs> uh, I think I think you'll, they'll name that coach early next week once we get through the Super Bowl. Uh, but you know, at, at, we need a total revamping of the offense. That's why I want an offensive guy, and I don't think you can count on hiring a coach who can come in and surround. You know, I don't believe you can surround him with those Jim Hannafans. I don't think those guys are out there anymore. You got guys fourteen-year-olds getting jobs in the NFL, and so I think for us right now, we need a, a quarterback guy, an offensive guru. And a play caller. If I went outside of that realm, the guy that intrigues me the most, the guy that I like a lot, and and you know he's a little bit tarnished by that job he took at thirty two, but uh, I would have to look at Raheem Morris. Mm.
3: Coach, how important is it to to hit on that draft pick? You said you all think you might be moving up to number one, but also the coach, the offensive minded coach. If you're drafting that quarterback oh. and you're drafting you're drafting that quarterback and you're bringing in a new head coach, just how important is that for those two to mesh for things to go well for this season and for this future of this franchise?
6: Oh, you 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 can't miss. I, I mean, you can't miss on this, and I'm not sure. As much as I like Bryce Young, I don't think he's a slam dunk like Andrew was. I don't think he's certainly a slam dunk like Manning was, uh, or Joe Burrow, in my opinion. You know, uh, I think those guys were slam drunks. I think you know Mahomes has become the magic man, but I'm not sure he was a slam dunk coming out of college. I think that you know he's proven that he's one of a kind. But you know, I in my book, uh, you know Burrows was a slam dunk, and you know they merged him with Zach Taylor and you see what you got. you got a whole turnover in the franchise. We can't miss this. I mean, you can't miss it. If you miss on the franchise quarterback, uh, Randy will tell you, 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 can, you can be out of luck for decades. I mean, you know, and that's why it's so important. And that's why I want us to get to one. I don't, I don't want us to rely on four because if we don't get to one, somebody else that needs a guy is going to get to one. So – I, 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 and we're sitting at four, so it isn't like we can't get there, Kerry. Mm-hmm.
2: The coach, Rick Venturi, with us on 101 ESPN. Okay, as you prepared for games this year, you had the Chiefs in week three, and the Colts wound up beating yep. Kansas City 20-17, and then yep. you had the Eagles, a one-point loss in week 11. And, Coach, I'm trying to think of reasons for one team or the other to win. You know how I break it down, but I, I yes. want to get your yep. take here. What do you think and Why?
6: Okay, when I when I look at the game and the, the the biggest question I have in my own mind is what exactly is the health of the two quarterbacks because these teams are quarterback driven these guys are both MVP candidates I mean and they and they beat you in different ways I mean Hurts is a guy I love I mean he's become a more accurate thrower uh, I don't think he's totally there yet out of the pocket but he's getting there. Uh, But the pressure that he puts on a defense schematically, you know, particularly when they get inside your 30, I mean, he becomes that 12th guy. He is going to get it in there. You know, if you remember, Randy, he beat us with a walk-off touchdown, which Mm -hmm. I'm still crying about. (laughs) And, 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 you know, he ran a quarterback draw untouched. He could have run to St. Louis. But, um, you know, I'd like to know that if he's 100%. And of course, Mahomes. Mahomes, to me, it's even more important because I think in general, to me, Philadelphia is the better team. I think Philadelphia has literally no liabilities. I can nuance it and tell you where I would go after them. But they're not a team with liabilities. And I think that gives them a little bit of an edge. But the magic man is, is who he is. He, he is one of one. Uh, he is a guy that can beat you despite I think being average on defense, although they can rush the passer, you know, I mean, I think they have issues in the offensive line that he erases uh, other than Kelsey. I think most of their receivers are number twos, but he is so good. And if, if I thought that he was a hundred percent, I would never bet against him, but he's got to be a hundred percent because the thing that Philly can do better than Cincinnati, and I have a lot of respect for Cincinnati. I think their hole is greater than their parts, but uh, Philly can rush the passer. I mean, they can come and keep coming. And, Kerry, when you can, on your second unit, when you have guys like Robert Quinn and Indomitan Sue, I mean, that's your second wave, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you know, they have depth, you know, from wall to wall. And so, Mahomes' health uh, is is really critical. The two weeks certainly help. Uh, but uh, if he's not quite 100%, you know, he's going to have to avoid in this game. And, you know, I, I really think, you know, both teams have similar statistics. Philadelphia is almost better in everything, but, you know, they're they're one and two in sacks. Um, they're one and two in sacks. Hurts uh, is number four in QBR, but by and large, by far the best QBR guy in the league is Mahomes at 77. I mean, nobody is at 77. That's, that's unheard of. Uh, but I, I think because both teams can rush the passer, If they get ahead in the count on defense, both teams can really ruin your day with the pass rush. So I think, you know, and this is always, you know, we we talk about this a little. I talk about it a lot. First down efficiency is going to be everything. And that's not necessarily establishing a run. You know, it is part of it. uh, But the screen game, the play action game, the running game, whoever I think can really stay ahead in the count in this one uh, will win it and then eventually time of possession will matter. Randy, you brought this up. You know, we beat the Chiefs in 19 and 22. I mean, we beat them twice with Mahomes, but in both games we had the ball 37 minutes. Mm. And in, in the game that Philadelphia looked the worst this year against the Commanders, uh, the Commanders had 152 yards rushing and they had 40 minutes of ball control. So time of possession doesn't always matter. You know, it certainly didn't matter with the greatest show on turf. And Kansas City is similar to them in that they break certain principles, turnovers, and that, and still win. But I think time of possession. If you if you can keep Mahomes on the bench in only twenty three minutes, you'll beat them,
3: Coach. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the receivers for Kansas City being probably number twos as opposed to number one, and the defense, the d- the defensive backfield that the um, Philadelphia Eagles have with Bradbury and they have Darius Slay on the outside. Those guys are going to be able to cover them. You can probably you know bracket Travis and not have much issues because you, you get that front four that they bring they they have a wave of guys that can get after the quarterback if they can keep Patrick in the pocket I think it's going to be a long day for the Chiefs offensively because of what the Eagles do defensively
6: yeah I think a couple things if, if, if and, I, and I said this uh when we played the Chiefs and we have I mean we've had the formula like I said ball control we haven't given plays over the top and then we've doubled Kelsey in critical situations you've got to you can't do it every down, yeah. But you have to bracket him on third down. It's a lot easier without Tariq Hill now. But you have to bracket him on third down. You have to bracket him in a red zone, and you have to bracket him when the game in the line. And if you don't, then it's coaching malpractice. And again, <laughs> you have to make those other guys beat you. Now, I do think, and I and I'm probably in opposition to a lot of people. I do think you can get after Bradbury Carey if if, okay. if it's my team. One of the things I'm going to do on first down because they're single high on first down is I'm going to go formation left because if they roll, they roll weak. I would go formation left with Bradbury's on their right and I would attack him one on one. I think and, and I know people love Bradbury. I, I think he's beatable on that side. I really do. And then I think you have to beat him with play action on first down because they go like hell to the ball and you don't get that heavy pass rush on first down.
2: All right, Coach, one more thing, and I, I want to take the quarterbacks out of the mix, but one of your lines that Kerry and I use all the time is the Ambient player, They're the player that keeps a defensive coordinator up at night. We know that it's Kelsey for Kansas City, but there's an array of guys on Philadelphia. Who is the one Philadelphia offensive performer that makes you take the extra ambient pill?
6: Yeah, now that, that's hard for me to say. I, I think that in the way I would rank those guys, I, and, and and this is why I think Philly is very good, I think both A.J. Brown and Smitty are ambient players, Okay, Hmm. the two receivers. And what makes them even greater is with Hertz's ability to run that zone read and put the pressure on you and force your safeties around the box, you get a lot of one-on-one with those guys. And I think both of those guys – I mean, A.J. Brown was in our division. He is one of the best catch-and-run guys, one of the best 50-50 guys – And Smitty, of course, can run with the wind, you know. So, I mean, I think they're the two ambient guys. And, of course, on defense, uh, they have a ton of guys, uh, but it's Riddick. If, If you can't block Riddick off that edge, you're going home sorry.
2: Coach, you're the best. We always love having you on. It's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time and the breakdown because a lot of the things that you gave us now are the way we'll watch the game on Sunday, and we really do appreciate it
6: i uh, always enjoy being with you guys. Have a good one. Yep, we'll
2: talk to you soon. That's our friend Rick Venturi. And, uh, it, hey, if you're Kansas City, right, and Andy Reid, he thinks a lot like Rick Venturi. Mm-hmm. Watch formation
3: left against that defense to be able to attack them I I love talking to coach and him breaking it down and and really getting in depth with you know the the understanding of how teams are going to play this game It's, it's the biggest game of the year obviously but there are there are ways to attack certain teams and they you watch enough film you figure out what they do well and what they don't do as well and you go after that thing they don't do as well coming up speaking of that Kerry Davis has
2: a weakest link for this Super Bowl it's next on 101 ESPN back
0: to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for Today's Big Thing.
9: Obviously, the biggest chess match here is Spags. It's playing with Jalen's eyes. It's, you know, bringing pressure. You know, Spags has kind of been the guy that as the year goes on, whether it's talent development or scheme alteration, his group has shown up in the playoffs and exceeded my expectations for him every year. What has gone into that transformation for them, and how do you think they might play the Eagles?
2: that is our friend chris long from the Greenlight podcast talking about steve spagnolo and the kansas city defense which was only 12th in the league this year they uh that's in yards in terms of points against uh they were better as the season went along but carry they still only were 16th in in points allowed and you are of the belief in disagreeing with Chris Long that you think Spags could be the weak link here for one of these teams.
3: Well, I, I do think that when you have, and you can ask any coach this, when you have a quarterback that can beat you with his arm and his legs, it gives you an extra uh, it scares the hell out of you because that guy is is he adds an extra, they add an extra blocker in their run game if he's running it and it allows them to, to match up numbers wise in order to be able to run the ball more, with more success. I think the, the thing that I watch with Kansas City, I, I know that, that Willie Gay Jr., he was a full participant in practice. He's going to be playing. I know that Chris, Chris Jones is going to have an outstanding game, but I feel like at times it is so dependent on somebody making that play as opposed to you know our coach out-scheming the opposition. And, and I think in that Cincinnati Bengals game, Chris Jones came to play. He had an, a stellar game versus a beat-up uh, Cincinnati offensive line. We know going into the uh, going into that game, they had three starters that were out of that game. This Philadelphia Eagles team, they are banged up a little bit, but they're going to be in a much better situation to be able to protect Jalen Hurts. And if Chris Jones does not get to the quarterback, I think you'll see some 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 of that that Spags defense getting exposed. Now, Kansas City, to their credit, they were second
2: in the league in sacks. They were first in the league in pressures, and they were fifth in the league in Pressure percentage—that is the amount of pressures per passing attempt. They were twenty-four point nine percent. Philadelphia, by comparison, twenty-five point five percent. That being said, much of Kansas City's schedule against the AFC West, the Raiders didn't have a very good offensive line. The Broncos didn't have a very good offensive line. You had injuries uh, on the offensive line. That's half of their half a dozen other games right. that Kansas City wasn't going against particularly great offensive lines. Pretty much everybody agrees that the best offensive line in the game right now is Philadelphia. So what Spags is going to have to do is what he did to New England when he beat Brady. He's going to have to devise some looks that Philadelphia hasn't seen and see how quickly they adjust to it. And they have two guys that are veterans that have seen everything, Mm -hmm. right? And Johnson and Kelsey. My lot is just a monster at left tackle. So I kind of think that they're uh, just going against a standard look. The Philadelphia offensive line will be fine. There's going to have to be
3: some exotic looks that Spags has manufactured in the past to get to... Jalen Hurts. You're going to have to I I don't think that getting home is going to be the thing that's going to get him. I think you're going to have to do something different in the secondary in terms mm-hmm. of a coverage or or how they drop to an area. Something that they may not have seen because Jalen Hurts still, even though he's an MVP candidate this year, he's still a young quarterback. So there are still some things that he has not seen and you could potentially confuse him. Maybe you hit him with a zone blitz and, and you look like a guy is blitzing but he drops off into that area and you throw an interception to a defensive been that is not supposed to be in that area. You're going to have to do something that is different from what he's already seen. I don't think getting home with with blitz packages, because if you bring more people, that leaves less people to cover Devontae Smith and and A.J. And, uh, Brown.
2: Tell me this, if you have a super athletic linebacker like Nick Bolton, mm-hmm. are you a fan of putting a spy on a quarterback? No.
3: I, I even you can pick the best linebacker in history. I none of them could run with Michael Vick. None of them are going to be able to run with Jalen Hurts. It's just physics. <laughs> they aren't fast enough or quick enough and you're you're really wasting that guy in in space. I understand it in terms of if you're able to keep him in the pocket and force the quarterback to step up. Yes, but if you are if you're not disciplined on the outside and your guys are taking inside paths on the on the offensive lineman and he's able to get outside, it doesn't matter what type of spot you have, he's not going to be able to catch a quarterback.
2: And it's really hard to, because it happens so fast, it's hard to stay disciplined when you're a defender.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, it, it, we we I laugh at defensive guys all the time, we say "Get see ball, get ball. Mm-hmm. You don't have, thinking on defense is not required. <laughs> you can be wrong in the wrong spot at the wrong place and just go get the ball yep. and make a play and everybody looks at you like you're the greatest thing. So, you know, us offensive guys, we have a little bit more intellect to us, we have to think a little bit more. Defense, see ball, get ball. Dan
2: Dan Derniff will tell you that the offensive playbook is kind of like the thickness of a phone book with the same size font. And the defensive playbook is a single piece of lined paper that's done in crayon. One (laughs) sheeter, yeah.
3: See ball, get ball. It doesn't matter.
2: (laughs) See how that works for Spags on Sunday in Super Bowl 57. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk some blues hockey. Jeremy Rutherford had a very interesting piece this morning in, in the Athletic We're going to talk to him about that. Plus, at the bottom of the hour, Adam Wainwright here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back
0: to the opening
1: drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN.
7: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world
2: of pro hockey, here we go. It's good to go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line when our blues insider from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, is on the other end. Good morning, sir. How you doing?
10: Good morning. Good morning. It's always a good day when you get to listen to Coach Venturi. He's uh, he's terrific. And I wish one thing, guys. I wish that we could give him about one season of hockey and then listen to his analysis on hockey. Like. I could hear in a year from now him saying, well, the problem is they're only getting the breakout about 38%. We need to get that number up. <laughs>
2: Remember when he was doing the show with, uh, with uh, Zach and the coach, He actually did that. (laughs) That's unbelievable. (laughs) He's amazing. He's a brilliant guy. JR, you have a piece up this morning at The Athletic, uh, and the headline is, Are the Rangers and Vladimir Tarasenko a trade match breaking down the fit, asset cost, and other factors? And we advise everybody to go take the deep dive and read the article at The Athletic. But I want to know, as you reach your conclusions, what do you think? Are they a match?
10: Yeah, a lot of times you're uh, you're throwing stuff at the wall here. There's a lot of teams out there that could have interest in these Blues players. We did one a couple of weeks ago with uh, Ryan O'Reilly and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Was that a match? Well, I guess it could be, but at the end of the day, probably not. But as I dive into this uh, Blues-Teresinko-Rangers uh, possibility, I, I do think there's a fit there. I think that they're looking for a top-line right winger. You know, obviously the salary would be something that they'd have to Um, do some cap gymnastics to get uh, Vladimir Tarasenko in there. Uh, But I think they have two first-round draft picks, one coming from the Dallas Stars. Now, granted, both of those first-round draft picks would be later, but that's the type of pick you're going to get for some of these cup-contending teams who could be interested. And then also they have some assets. They have a, a decent prospect pool, not great, Ah, uh, but I think something that the Blues could work with between Doug Armstrong and Chris Drury.
3: JR, what, what, how long are we looking at before this these trades actually take place? I mean, are we, uh, it, and is it a, a foregone conclusion that they all are going to take place, or 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 a number of them?
10: Can I get by, Kerry, with telling you sometime in the next three weeks?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, Jr., I'm impatient. I'm I'm waiting. We we've been we've been hearing about this since the start of the season. If things don't go right, that there may be some trades taking place, and and here we are, uh, February ninth, still still waiting around, just trying to figure out what this Blues team can expect for the rest of the season, and and where these guys can expect to be if they're not here.
10: Yeah, it's, it's really hard to uh, predict. Uh, sometimes you can go on history. A lot of times you look back at a GM's history, and that can give you a little bit of a clue. I did that a week or so ago. You know, you look at that uh, Paul Stastny deal was done on a uh, deadline day. You look at uh, Shattenkirk, I think that was a couple days before. Uh, so past history with Doug Armstrong, he's held out until just a day or two before the trade deadline at the earliest. Uh, I, I guess it shapes up to what's the market look like coming out of this bye week For the Blues, by the way, they'll be back on the ice together uh, today, 2 p.m., out at Centene. Looks like O'Reilly's been skating. Bucinevich has been skating. So just a couple updates there. Uh, But I don't think it's going to come down to how does this play. I think Doug Armstrong right now is going to be a seller, and he's just going to have to gauge when does the best deal come. Does it come in four days or or does it come in a couple weeks? Only he knows what the market is for these guys right now. I think, bottom line, he's going to hold out. Uh, probably for those first-round draft picks for those guys. And and I don't think that uh, if those deals are being proposed right now that he's going to make a move.
3: Uh, soon. My my question for that is, is I've been in situations. I had a teammate who called me one day after the draft, the day after the draft and said, All right, CD, it's been fun. I said, What you mean? He said, Oh, they drafted my position in the first round. <laughs> that's the that's the writing on the wall. And so I knew how he was going about his day from that moment on, knowing that they had drafted his position in the first round. If you are a guy that is on the trade block or constantly being talked about being traded, how are you going about your day? How are you coming into work knowing that you aren't going to be here, potentially aren't going to be here in a few weeks?
10: Yeah, I think the writing's been on the wall for uh, most of these guys for, for quite a while. And I'll just touch on Teresinko. When I had him on the phone the other day, he was down at the All-Star game, and, and I asked him, you know, has this been weighing on you? And he said, I'm not going to lie. It definitely has been weighing on me. And imagine that. That mm-hmm. was prior to, that was prior to the All-Star break. You know, so he goes down, he relaxes, has some fun with his, his friends at the All-Star game. And what do you think he's thinking about when he comes back today at at 2 o'clock to skate with the team? It's definitely going to be on his mind. And then you have Ryan O'Reilly again sitting across the room from him a couple weeks ago, and I asked him about his situation. You can see it in his face. It definitely weighs on these guys when they don't know what the future is. You know, with uh, Tarasenko, he's got the fortune of having that no-trade clause, but O'Reilly does not.
2: Jr. even though this – current edition of the Blues is not constructed perfectly and I would argue uh, I would argue with Doug Armstrong that uh, he just he did not have a great off season in terms of building this roster and we look at the Blues needs and we, we see a name like Zach Jones was brought up in your piece as a defenseman I don't think that Army can trade for Defenseman or forwards. I think he needs to find the best player and the best fit. You go look at Zach Jones. He's 5'10", 178, a left defenseman. Well, we've got 5'10", 178-pound left defenseman. We don't need a guy like that, right? We need to get the best players that they can get if they're going to get prospects and deals for these guys.
10: Right, right. And in terms of uh, Zach Jones, you know, a lot of people saying that uh, not NHL ready. And, you know, that brings in the question of where is this Blues team in this retool or slash rebuild Uh I go what what Doug Armstrong's told me in the past is whether it's the draft or, or trades, you go for the best assets because you can always flip those. Like if you bring in uh, a lesser prospect and he doesn't work out, you know what what value does he have? But if you bring in what you believe is as the best prospect, obviously there's more upside there, and, and and maybe it doesn't work here in St. Louis, but there would be. Uh, more value that if you tried to move him, you could do that. So I think they'll always go for the best asset there.
3: Hey, JR, from a fan's perspective, if you are sellers at the trade deadline and and you you bring back, you get rid of some of the guys that have been here for so long, do you expect this team to compete and win games at that point? Or, or are we just saying, you know what, we made this trade, we're looking forward to next season?
10: Well, I think when you're you know just a handful of points out of the playoff, uh, you're going to keep the team you know, moving forward as much as possible. Obviously, that's going to be tougher if you're losing a couple of guys like an O'Reilly, uh, like Tarasenko. But, you know, Randy, Carey, we've been seeing this for years, whether it be in St. Louis or elsewhere. Uh, teams that uh, strip a couple guys at the deadline, you know, you're giving young guys a chance, and they're going to have a chance to get in and prove themselves. And typically that kind of hockey works because the guys are playing north-south. So, you know, you could still see a situation where this team plays hard and guts out the season. It's just going to be uh, tough when you're missing a few of those guys as as we've seen the past couple weeks without those players
2: all right jr one more thing and people might think that because you write hockey for the athletic that you're pigeonholed into hockey or you used to cover the illini and you used to cover uh the rams when they were here you've covered everything but you're also a, as i know a pizza expert here we are on <laughs> national pizza day oh, the, is the, it? the top jeremy rutherford style of pizza and topping
10: First of all, uh, every day is pizza day at the Rutherford. (laughs) It's not just limited uh, to one day. Well, I'll just offend the small percentage of people here in St. Louis and the uh, out-of-towners by saying uh, Emo's. And, you know, I've gone up to uh, a lot of places on the road in Chicago, in New York, all over, but uh, I'm an Emo's guy uh, through and through. So I'm going with the thin, thin crust. I'm going with the cheese. And you know what? I like to add, guys, uh, extra sauce. My wife doesn't like it because she says you bite into it and there's sauce going everywhere. But uh, <laughs> to me, to me, when I call up the emos, I just tell them to get the wheelbarrow
9: out and put a wheelbarrow full of sauce on that thing.
2: <laughs> Love it. J.R., you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a good weekend, boys. You too. That is our friend Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. I, Carrie Davis, am one of those people and I know this sounds sickening. It might be sickening to you. I'm fine with a Hawaiian pizza that has pineapple and Canadian ah, yeah.
3: bacon. I'm good with that. It doesn't bother me at all. It's I, not it, my favorite, but I'm good with uh, it. I, it's something about the... It, it, it gives you a little bit of kick. A little something yeah. different than, than you, we're accustomed to on a normal pizza. Yeah, how about yours? Hey. Your, your number one I'm pizza. I'm a meat lover's guy. Mm-hmm. Give me all, uh, all the meat you got. Give me... Yes, yeah. <laughs> that sounded You and strange. I, brother. How about Matthew? But <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, Matthew, you got... <laughs> uh,
4: just actually... Regular Italian sausage. just I don't need anything extra. Maybe extra cheese with that, but yeah. I mean, I like meat lovers. Here's the thing. Pineapple pizza, I don't understand why it's ever gotten like a bad rap. If you know anything about food, you know that if you got something that's like super savory and a little spicy, Mm -hmm. you just add a little bit of sweetness on top of there. Sensational. Why do you think pickles are like the perfect thing on a Chick-fil-A Chicken sandwich. Yeah. Because you get the sweet, you get the little sweet acid to take away from the spicy. I mean, this is this is basic food science. People come on.
2: There's a great place in U City on Del Mar called La Pizza with oh, New York yes. style pizza. It's sensational. I'm a New York style guy, first and foremost. I like every kind of pizza, but if, if you're giving me one pizza for the rest of my life, it's New York style. But Carrie, two in the morning in New York City, pepperoni
3: and sausage from Ray's, I'm good. You good to go? Yeah. I mean, well, Randy, in fairness, anything at two in the morning is yeah. Really? It's true, but <laughs> Depending okay, on but even, where you're coming from Two in the afternoon I can pull off oh, okay. rays too
2: <laughs> Coming up next our buddy Adam Wainwright On 101 ESPN
0: You're back to the opening drive podcast On 101 ESPN
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers
2: Our friend Adam Wainwright is going to join us again in 2023 for Wednesdays with wayno. He's headed down to Jupiter. He's going to work out with the Cardinals for a couple of weeks and then get started on working on baseball for the USA in the World Baseball Classic. And Adam Wainwright is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Wayno. How you doing? I'm doing great,
9: guys. How are y'all
2: doing? Good. How has your singing off season gone? I understand it's been sensational. <laughs>
9: Well, I appreciate you understanding that uh it's been good it, it's I've, I've learned a lot i'll tell you that we've uh we've done a lot of work and um you know don't worry i'm i'm still i'm still doing everything I need to do for baseball and uh, it's just a fun it's just a fun outlet for me you know i'm having a great time writing songs and recording and making music um at a at at a really cool level that I never thought was possible so um it's been fun i I'm, I'm having fun with it i'm I'm excited to 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 uh tell you all that Mid-season this year, I'll be releasing a little album. And, uh, you know, I'm either going to get laughed out of the stadiums or I'm, people are going to really love it. I, I think it's going to be the second one. We'll find out, though. We're excited
3: what? about it. It'll be great. I think the next step is singing the national anthem before a game. No? <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, that,
9: that'll that'll be I, – I, I would like to come back and
3: national anthem one day for sure. There you go. Hey, Adam, how excited are you about the uh, World Baseball Classic?
9: Oh man, I'm fired up! I am so fired up about it. I, I just uh, I want to represent this country. I love I love playing baseball, and I, I've always wanted to, and never had the chance to um, wear the the red, white, and blue uh, to compete for for a gold. And and this time I'll get a chance to. So I'm very excited about it.
2: And you told us that story late last season about 2004 when you missed out on the opportunity to to participate in the Olympics. But even now at your Twitter page at Uncle Charlie 50. You've got a photo of yourself with your face painted for the Soccer World Cup. You're a patriotic guy. You've wanted to do this for a long time. Have you allowed yourself to think about what it's going to be like to to go to that line when you get introduced with the USA across your chest?
9: Uh, I, a little bit, yeah, I mean, um people ask me about that, but i I just you know what i'm what I'm really focused on is just competing. You know, I want to go out there and play well, perform well. Uh, and represent our country well. Um that's what I want to do. And uh I know one day I'll get a chance to look back and go, man, that was awesome. So um that's what I'm that's what I'm focusing on, just making sure I'm completely just as ready as I could possibly be going into that competition and going into this season coming up so we can win a gold medal and then i win a World Series following that.
2: I would have to believe also, Adam, especially from your perspective, it, it's cool to have teammates on the team, but when it is Arenado, when it is goldie when the when the best that the usa has to offer plays for the st louis cardinals at first and third and when it's you and and miles michaelis man that's really exciting not only for the usa but for st louis too
9: yeah it is we're and you know all four of us love being together too we love we're good friends and love hanging out me and and goldie and uh Nolan went out and played a little golf yesterday and uh just you know, love love hanging out off the field too, but um, I'm glad that we're represented well from from the Cardinals organization there because we have a great team, we have a bunch of great players, and and uh, we have a bunch of guys who really want to represent this country well too. And and Goldie and uh, Nolan won a gold medal in 17 doing this too, so uh, they know what it's like. They've been there, done that, and. There'll be a good uh, leadership group for our team.
3: Hey, it's, it's an opportunity to play similar to to an All Star weekend, but that's only one weekend. You get to hang out with these guys for a couple of weeks and really pick their brain of some of the best players uh, that play the game. Are you excited about that as well?
9: Yeah, that's that's one of the cool things that happens in these kinds of uh, these kinds of deals. And, that, and like you said, I've only done that at All Star games and stuff, and in very short stints, a couple of days, getting to know guys and. It always is uh, is fun to learn new people, but also learn what makes them go and uh, see work ethics and see see the competitor and everybody and and watch them mentally and physically and just really learn. I'm really looking forward to doing that with a bunch of guys that that I've never got to do that with before. I mean, I'm Kershaw's going to be on the team, and he and I have always wanted to play together, and we've never had a chance to. So this will be a fun time for us to get to hang a little bit too.
2: Adam Wainwright with us on um, 101 ESPN. Adam, as you got, went through this offseason, and uh, it's my understanding that you were ready to go in the playoffs last year, but you did have the problem down the stretch. Uh, how did your offseason go in preparing for your final season in 2023?
9: It was great. It was really great. It was it was great to to locate some problems and have some homework, actually, I like doing that. I like having a project, you know um, I like having something to really work on that I know I'm working on and uh, and and it was really fun to see the results behind that where the ball started coming out of the hand good again and started was able to locate it like I wanted to and I was able to have that late life like I wanted to and that that's the big thing, man location and that late life on the ball. That's where you get the swing and miss. That's where you get the ground ball instead of the line driving the gap. So I've been having fun. Um, and, and you know, that's that was a good teach for me. We talked about it before. I don't have to go back into that. But uh, it was a good teach for me. It was a learning lesson for me. And, and it was something that, that I uh, moved on from and, and grew from, and hopefully it might be better this year.
3: Hey, Adam, you going into your last season, you've done this spring training thing for, for a number of years. Do you still get excited when the young guys come up and get their opportunities like a Jordan Walker? You get to watch those guys. Is that exciting for you to see those guys really start their careers off?
9: Uh, oh, definitely, man. Definitely, definitely, definitely. It's, uh yeah, you know, you're always, <clears throat> as a especially as an older guy, um, I'm always, um, I wouldn't say worried, but I'm always uh cognizant of the idea of leaving this organization as good or better than when i when I found it, you know when I came into it, and that's part of being a leader in this organization is passing the baton and and watching these new guys step up and and become leaders themselves and and uh that starts at the prospect level and you hear this great excitement for a guy like Jordan and you just can't wait to see him play I've never seen him play Mm -hmm. never seen him play one in person never seen him even take batting practice until yesterday so um, (laughs) I'm looking forward uh, to watching him play because he seems like a great guy he seems like somebody who everybody who's played with him really loves to be around which is a big part of it man you know as as being a cardinal and being a great uh, player it comes with being a great teammate you know, and a great steward of this organization. So, I think he's going to fit in great, from what I can tell so far.
2: You got to tell us how that BP went.
9: Well, I didn't see him hit long. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was on the mound working a little bit um, while he was working a little bit. So, I watched him in his early stages at batting practice. It looked like he had a good approach. Like his bat path was really good through the zone. You know, it was, uh, it had some shelf life in the zone. <laughs> it just got in there and stayed for a while. So, that's good. That's what you want to see. You know, that there's a difference in a. There's a, there's a very small difference and a big difference at the same time in a long swing and a long through-the-zone swing. Um, pitchers will pick apart a guy who, who just has a really long swing, but if if he gets to the zone quick and then his bat stays through the zone long, then that's really tough for pitcher, and that's what he looked like he had to me.
2: Way well, no, know a couple more things. Number one, you guys will play Pool C in Phoenix in uh, March 11th through 15th. And your pool is Mexico, Colombia, Canada, Great Britain. If you win Pool C, there's a pretty good chance that you'll see Yachty in the quarterfinals. How much are you looking forward? And, and by the way, Yachty's team is uh, the Puerto Rican team. is going to be in Miami. But how cool would it be for you to pitch against your your catcher, your brother in the second round?
9: Yeah, we've already joked about it a little bit, you know. I already I already asked him like, "Hey man, if you if you're over there and I'm pitching, just don't be trying to tell everybody what's coming just cuz of the way I'm, you know, my face looks or my <laughs> hands are held or something." Like, just, just, just watch the game. Just sit over there and watch the game. Don't be trying to be all sneaky, man. And he goes, he goes, so, Hermano, you should be playing for Team Puerto Rico anyway. <laughs> but, uh, I wear these stars and bar—I wear these stars and stripes, you know, my whole life, buddy. I got to represent well, and he understands that. He—he—he's he, the same way, you know. He's lived over here for a while too, but uh, he's got to wear those Puerto Rican colors too. So it'll be a good—it'll be a good battle. They got a great team always. They got some great position players over there, and and uh, I just—I just, I just it'll be a riot to start that game and look over and see him because I know he's going to be smiling his head off trying to get me unraveled but I'm not going to go there
3: (laughs) hey Adam who you got this weekend the Chiefs or the the Eagles I know you'll be watching well I have two
9: rooting interests because uh, being in St. Louis for a while and when we lost the Rams I I did I have followed the Chiefs closely I'm a huge Patrick Mahomes fan I think he's so fun to watch and just an unbelievably talented person um the other rooting interest I have is from my hometown, one of the best cornerbacks in all of football, uh, Darius Slay. But you can't call him Darius. You just got to call him Slay. <laughs> he, he'll fuss at you if you call him Darius. So he's from my hometown. He went to my cross-town rival high school. And I always root for, for Slay because um, he's a great guy and, and he's an unbelievable player. So I won't be disappointed um, either way. I think I think the Eagles are set up to win this thing. Um, just because of uh, how talented their defense is, and how talented that quarterback is, um, who's just he's come so far uh, in a passing uh, from his passing standpoint from where he was in college, it's kind of remarkable. And I watched an interview the other day where Nick Saban was telling him when he transferred to to Oklahoma, he told him he had to. He said, "Give me some 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 feedback." He said. So man, you just you have to go over there and you have to learn how to be a better passer because you you're not going to make it in the NFL unless you learn how to make plays with your arm and not just your feet. And I, I know thought it was good advice. It seems like he's really done that well, but but I, but to to say all that to root against Patrick Mahomes is uh, seems like a mistake. Um, I'll be rooting for 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 Slay and I'll be rooting for the Chiefs to win. How
2: about that? (laughs) Sounds good. Adam Wainwright, uh, Big League Impact is still doing unbelievable work, not only in the St. Louis community, but throughout the world. And as we've talked about a lot of times, uh, Big League Impact is trying to save the world and another opportunity this year with Big League Impact and for St. Louisans to get involved. And I know that you're really excited about this. Your final year as a player, certainly not the last year of Big League Impact, but I know you're really excited about some of the things coming up this season.
9: I really am. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to be able to save the world. Unfortunately, we'll, we'll just have to do that one person at a time, but I do believe our programs make a difference around the world and as well as in the country and, and across St. Louis. So it's great to have um, fun things to, to, to get together and make a lot of money for, for those in need. Um, our organization is just um, I'll tell you, it's just top notch. Our, our board of directors is, is filled with some of the most talented people, uh, from a nonprofit giving standpoint uh, that there is in the country and uh, it's just it 's been remarkable to get in a room with them and watch our organization grow and let these people really take off with ideas of how to to, to make our organization run more more streamlined and and smooth and, and and profitable for in a stance that where we can go out and help more people um, it's been it's been so fun to see that so I just want to say thanks to all the people who support us we 'll be doing a lot of great things throughout the the season this year, and uh, we'd love to have support. Adam Wainwright,
2: if somebody came to me, and I'm not saying this just because you're on the phone with us, if somebody came to me and said, Randy, you get to pick one athlete to represent your country, you get to pick only one to represent your country playing a sport, I would pick Adam Wainwright. You are the the epitome of what's great about sports because of what you do on and off the field, and I'm so proud that you're representing me as an American in the the World Baseball Classic. I, I can't wait to watch you perform.
9: Oh, thank you, Randy. Thanks for saying that. I got your food, buddy. <laughs> no, <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> you're, you're the best. Hey, and by the way, during uh, the, the week that you guys are working out down in Arizona, my son and I go down to Arizona spring training because he's a Giants fan. So uh, when you guys play the Giants, I'm going to be in, there, in the stands and I'm going to yell at you. I'll be
9: wearing a cardinal cap. Well, you better be wearing a cardinal. You know I, I will. <laughs>
5: yeah,
9: I'll let, I'll let your entire fan base audience know that you're and if you don't.
2: <laughs> well, the, the other option was just a USA cap that blends in with everybody, so it'll be it'll be cardinals and, and we'll catch up. But I appreciate your your time this morning. So does Carrie, and we'll see you soon. All right, see you guys later. Take care. That's the great Adam Wainwright joining us on 101 ESPN. Uh, I, I just uh, I, I thought about this last night. I, I really, honestly, for. An athlete that could represent my country, he really is the essence of Mm -hmm. what athletics should do and the the platform that athletes have, and they they take advantage of it.
3: Doing it the right way. I mean, you you have a responsibility when you become a professional athlete to give back and to help others, and, and he definitely does things in the right manner. Taking care of the community, as you said, one person as a, yeah. at a time. I think that's awesome. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. We've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch on 101 ESPN. You're
0: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
1: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
2: Well, it's apparently official. Burt Bacharach bites the dust. Oh. Uh, he wrote, uh, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. He was 94 and he has capitulated. Uh, all right. What do we got for rock and roll, Matthew?
4: Randy, we got a new piece of audio that actually just came across. Why did you laugh so hard? He um, died. Come on. No, because there's a comedian I know who, whenever somebody who dies at like 94, he just tweets out, uh, gun down in their prime." <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so as soon as you said yeah. "back right at 94," I just wanted to go, "gunned down in his prime." Got it. Okay. Um, so what I want to pull here is uh, on the Ringer. There's a, there's a, one of the writers named and podcaster named Kevin Clark. And he does a great show called Slow News Day, where he sits down and interviews people while he reads the paper. It's a fascinating interview, and, he, and he's been at Super Bowl Media Week, and he had Debo Samuel sit down with him, and he asked Debo about what it's like being coached about from Kyle Shanahan, not just about Kyle Shanahan. I thought this is just a fascinating dive in here. It'd be a Debo. lot of it'd
7: be a lot of mess ups in games that people don't know nothing about. It's the small things that will lose you the game. Kyle is real huge on details, being decisive, breaking the huddle right, hearing everything, like every single word in the huddle, when you think it don't matter to you,
3: matters to you. Like details is just huge him. Details is like huge because everything with Kyle is about time, like timing is everything. Did you learn that the hard way? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> well, I had were- it, man. My rookie year was rough, <laughs> like, my rookie year was real. I used to go to practice with dark shields on my helmet, just so he couldn't see my eyes, because I was cussing him out of my helmet.
4: <laughs> you get it, Kerry? <laughs> uh, Did you, uh,
3: do you, do you detect a single lie in uh, that statement from Debo Samuel? I understand wholeheartedly. Sometimes <laughs> you gotta, sometimes you gotta say some choice words to yourself and to to someone else, and you don't want them to hear them. So even as just, a rookie, right? Even as a rookie, you, you understand. But the the intelligence, the wherewithal, the understanding to get yourself covered up so that you yeah. can say what you need to say.
4: Now, just his first point there about the the mistakes people don't notice and coaches being sticklers of little things that you'd never think about as a casual a fan.
3: Did you run into that same thing with coaches? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had coaches. Here's the thing I've had coaches tell, tell players if you can't count to two, you can't play in the NFL, meaning snap count is on two. If you're jumping off, you're false starting, yeah, you probably won't last long. If you can't retain information, if you are unable to process what's being said in the huddle, get lined up correctly, and then run the play correctly, you won't last and and there is a a there are a lot of intricate details that go into a play call telling everyone where to go, what the play is, what the snap count is, and what your job is that you practiced all week. And you practice you you you've practiced this all week and now it's time to perform. and if you don't do it, sometimes it 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 causes losses. by
4: the way, hearing that story about Kyle Shanahan, uh, I've heard a lot of stories about Mike. Apple didn't fall far from the tree when it comes to the oh, little things hey. Mike Martz, he'd tell somebody
2: to
3: run an 18-yard in. It was 17-and-a-half. He'd say, it wasn't a a 17-and-a-half-yard in. It's a reason. Yeah. And, and, And more times than not, the reason why you're asked to run certain routes at certain depth is because of what's going on behind you on a particular route or to keep you from getting knocked out. If you don't right run the right depth, you run into a situation where you may be running right into a safety or running right into a linebacker. And I tell kids this all the time. Hey, if you don't, if you get hurt, make sure when you wake up and you, you, you're revived and you tell your parents, I told you not to do that. Remind yourself, remind them that I told you not to do that because that's dangerous. That's not the correct way. And, Gary, tell me if I'm wrong here, but another big part of that is that
2: a quarterback's taking a three-step drop, one, two, three, and throw into a spot. Yes. Right? The, yep. And the receiver has to be in
3: that spot when exactly. the ball shows up. Exactly. Or you get an interception, or you yeah. get put down from, yeah. from from a from a DB or a linebacker. You need to be where you're supposed to be. All right. That is a
2: Rock and Roll on 101 ESPN. Tomorrow, we're going to have Joe Vitale with us. We're going to talk to Jay Delsing, and we're also going to have Chip Carey, new TV voice of the Cardinals, in studio. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to that tomorrow at 8.30. An early fight tomorrow at 8.15, but we've already got a fighter.
4: And with the Blues back in action over the weekend, we'll be talking to Robert Thomas tomorrow.
2: Oh, yeah. Rob Tom, coming at, up at uh, 9 a.m. tomorrow. So a big day here on a Friday before the Super Bowl here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, you might have heard all those names, all those big-name guests. We also have the Super Bowl food draft. That's the real, that's so the real, real headline. That's yeah. just
4: The tweet's just going to say Super Bowl food draft.
2: Yeah, we just buried the lead right there. <laughs> uh, great job today by our producer, engineer Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. CD. It was great. We'll do it again tomorrow. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And for all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis.
1: That's
0: right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101
1: ESPN at ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.